Welcome to the Region Free Gamers podcast. Today, we are redefining niche. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Region Free Gamers podcast, the podcast that took a few courses online and is now fluent in gaming. My name is Ozzy, and I will be your host for the day as I broadcast from sunny Miami. Uh, Just a reminder, though, if you happen to like what we are delivering, make sure to go on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a kind review. There are also a plethora of episodes that you can listen to on any podcast platform of choice as we near the ID episode mark. Uh, And if you really like what we're doing, you can also hit the subscribe button to continue hearing from us. And lastly, make sure to spread the word if you think others may be interested in what we are doing. Uh, we don't get any money from this, so our reward is to hear that you people are enjoying what we are making. And uh, who is this we that we are referring to? Uh, well, on this particular episode, I am joined by my fellow host, Paul Romalo, in the Yukon Territory of Canada. What's up, Paul? Hey, guys. And uh, I am also joined by Arnaldo Perez, uh, who is broadcasting from Rhode Island. What's yeah. up, Arnie? It's the royal we, as in I am royalty. we'll make sure to keep that in mind uh and uh we are also joined for the second time in the history of the podcast by a voice from the past uh he has the deepest baritones of all of us uh he's a firefighter supreme and boy does he love the xbox uh it's none other than rick gurdon or as he goes on instagram ash event uh what's up rick ohio gazimus <laughs> hey. There you go. He's That's turning for the Japanese. Morning. For the for the afternoon it would be Konichiwa. And yeah. uh, also I just wanted to say for anybody who uh, woke up this morning and said, you know, I'd love to hear a firefighter just slaughter the Japanese language. You are in for a treat today. <laughs> we always aim to deliver, Rick, and that's why you're here. <laughs> And uh, our one Japanese listener is like, ah, uh, I can't listen to these guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I promise I will keep it to him. Canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess if Rick's here, that must mean only one thing. And that's that uh, we were talking about the original Xbox. That's correct. And uh, if you guys remember, Rick last joined us when we gushed about how the original Xbox was the, the OG Dreamcast 2. Um, so that was a super fun episode and you really should check it out if you have not. Uh, you get to hear a lot of interesting tidbits about the Xbox and get to hear Rick gush about, you know, his old man <laughs> stories about how he used to take his Xbox, uh, you know, out, uh, you know, to war zones and stuff. Uh, that's, that's a really good lesson. It was a really good, uh, tale from old man Rick. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah. Any, any opportunity to hear more of Rick's voice, I think, I think we should all be, be looking forward to that. My wife actually listened to that episode by accident, um, because we had a problem a long time ago where that episode was linked to our Vice City one. It was really yeah. weird, but yeah, she heard, she heard that episode by accident and she was like, who is this guy? Oh my God. And I was like, it's not, not only that, He's a firefighter, and my wife just like melted. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I should I should also mention. Sorry to take over here, but I should also mention we were lying in bed last night, and I was playing Jean d'Arc on my PSP, and my wife was reading something on her e-reader, and it's always a romance novel, like it's like every time, right? <laughs> so I don't even I don't even ask anymore. I ask kind of when I want to be amused because the romance novels all have these ridiculous titles. Yeah. Um, like the edge of impropriety is so good. And so last night I asked her, I'm like, so what are you reading? And she says, oh, it's a romance novel. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. And she says, oh, it's about a firefighter. 
<laughs> I could not stop laughing. She knew that I was recording with you today too, Rick. Yeah. And she just didn't like she didn't do the math. She didn't quite realize it until I started laughing. And then she's like, Oh my god, you're recording with him tomorrow. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. And you're you're reading about him right now. Well, After this like, episode, Paul will be paying alimony for the rest of yeah. his life. <laughs> I just want to let your wife know that I'm gonna talk like this the whole rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll laugh like yeah. a hyena and turn her off even more. Yeah, and then let her know we we all wear bunker pants with no shirts on. That's that's yeah, our exactly. that's our. <laughs> so you just see the suspenders, no shirt, and then we spray each other down with a mixture of oil and water about every two nice. hours. <laughs> nice. I don't I don't think you understand also the full extent of how r- ridiculous these romance novels are because not only are you shirtless right now and sprayed down. You're also a billionaire, oh, by see, the way, uh, <laughs> and you and you and you made your fortune rescuing animals. Nice. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's how the plot see goes. That, yeah. that. So now you're just doing firefighting in your spare time. Yeah. But oh, okay. trust me, you, you have even more to offer than that. <laughs> All right. Then. Well, this is going well. Um, well, it's, it's it seems like we uh, we've uh, you know gotten our old chemistry back. So, um, <laughs> right, at the very least, the chemistry between. Rick and Paul's wife. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm just watching. All right, so let's take it back. But, you know, because exactly because of this, we thought it would be a great idea to bring Rick back <laughs> because we really want to make Paul feel terrible. Um, and so we are going to talk a little bit more about Xbox. And uh, we thought it would be great to talk about the games that came out for the original Xbox in Japan but which never made their way to the West during the original Xbox run. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, there are quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you all may be shocked by this, but uh, guess what, guys? The Xbox did not do well in Japan. <laughs> this is... this it's is. Shot, pe- have you heard about this? This is peak niche right here. <laughs> like... Yeah. Really like, we can't We can't go deeper than this topic. Like, like, like Doki Doki Panic. Like, this, this is like up there in terms of factual, you know, scenarios. Like, it did not do well in Japan. No one, not many people know about that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it did, it, it did pretty horribly. Uh, it only sold about 500,000 units, yeah. which uh, it's not very good. That's like Virtual <laughs> so, Boy numbers, right? No, 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 no. Virtual Boy, no, no. That's that's like Hall of Fame bad. Uh, <laughs> Virtual Boy, yeah, no. Virtual Boy did 500,000 units worldwide. Probably. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so... Uh, but, you know, amazingly, it wasn't for lack of trying because Microsoft had the money and Microsoft really wanted to make their presence felt in Japan. And uh, in fact, they made a concerted effort to develop games that cater to a Japanese audience. And we would see a lot more of this, you know, and a heavier push in the Xbox 360 era. But uh, Microsoft Game Studios uh, during the original Xbox run built relationships with Japanese developers mm-hmm. that resulted in some really interesting games. And unfortunately... Due to the failure of the Xbox, many of those games just never came to the West. So on this episode, we want to just focus on those games with the hopes that, I don't know, you will find out about some hidden gems or at the very least some really wacky games that you had no idea existed. And like Arnie says, are like peak niche, yeah. you know, in terms of what we talk about, because that's that's how Aussie rolls. I just <laughs> roll with the niche. So... <laughs> What will the fewest people be interested in? Let's yeah. Exactly, because it's, it's like completely counterproductive to what we're trying to do. Like, we're not even trying to reach listeners anymore. I'm like, what is the most niche thing that I can talk about? But that's what makes it interesting, though. Zelda's niche, right? <laughs> exactly. So first things first, before we get into this whole uh, episode, Rick, uh, is the original Xbox region locked? 
So yes, it is. Um, but let's be honest. I would say the majority of people that are still using the original Xbox. <laughs> theirs is not region locked anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because as I understand it, Rick, it's very easy to soft mod your Xbox. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's a piece of cake. There's, and the thing is people I don't think realize, and that was a whole other episode, but, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, they're still coming out with new soft mods now. Uh, and they're still coming out with, there's a brand new chip that just came out for it recently yeah. that I ordered and it's coming wow. from Australia. I can't wait. So yeah. Um, Xbox is like, I remember it being the only console that I've ever seen, like on these like garage sale YouTube videos where somebody's like, Oh, I just bought an Xbox for like two bucks and it's like soft modded and it has like all this stuff in it already. And they yeah, just know, bought right? it from like some <laughs> random person who like apparently just did it. Like that's the only console that's apparently that easy to mod that like your dad could probably do it like yeah. in five like minutes. rick can probably do it yeah exactly i mean I'd rick has wii. done it multiple times <laughs> yeah i'd say the wii is the other one that's super yeah. easy to mod yeah but, but it doesn't uh, if have, someone it wants to doesn't do what the xbox does even the wii doesn't yeah but, but rick if someone wants to play these games that we're going to be talking about you know what do you recommend are the best ways to do so because i don't want to be talking about these games and people are like well you know it's pretty interesting but i'll never get to play them yeah. um so you know, what are some of the best ways that are not emulation? Let's just, let's just forego emulation. You know, that's a, that's an entirely different talk. Right. Uh, if you want to go with the emulation route, feel free to go with it. I mean, it never well, came for out Xbox, of the United States. Well, for Xbox, you're going to have to have a mighty strong PC because Xbox yeah. emulation is really not a big, you know what I mean? It's not a big thing. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure all of yeah. our listeners are rolling with like the top end, sure. you know, <laughs> hardware. So I'm not really particularly concerned about that. You, but you guys do know, not- I, you guys do know I finally, uh, uh, bought a new, <clears throat> computer because i was using a 2006 alienware <laughs> wow that sounds about and, right that's what happened yeah. to me. and then you went with a mac which is yeah. like completely counterproductive to that you know you're supposed to be progressing oh, not sorry. regressing well that, uh, but, i'll be honest the mac isn't my i do i just use that for you know your scrappy podcast but the, yeah exactly <laughs> the, <laughs> oh, well, there you go yeah I bought, uh, I bought a hades nuck for my um for my office so oh nice okay that, that works nice. that works but uh rick so supposing that you don't want to emulate, yes. you know, what are some of the ways in which someone using their original, heavy, beautiful, <laughs> black Xbox, um, what can they do? I feel like you're placating me. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. So, so the, again, uh, go ahead and soft mod. I mean, I'm not going to get into the T-Soft <clears throat> thing, which is you have to open it up, which is what you should do. But anyhow, mm-hmm. um, it, all you really have to do is just soft mod it and then... You can go online. There's places you can go and just download these games. And yeah, I mean, ha- uh, the Splinter Cell hack. I mean, I think that's one of the easier yeah. soft mods, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so you just go ahead and, and, and again, I don't want to get into the whole, so- you know, the, the soft mod thing because we'll be here forever if I talk about all the ways we can mod it. But if you go online, it's super simple. And, uh, then once you do that, you can find these, these, um, I don't want to call them ROMs, but you know what I'm saying? You could find the files for the games online. I actually have, all the Japanese ones exclusives. And I also have all the PAL exclusives now. Oh, wow. And, okay. And then what you'll need to do is, uh, the easiest way to do it is just FTP it into your Xbox. And that's another thing you can look up. But I mean, it's the great thing about the Xbox. It really is just a little computer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you plug it yeah. into your modem, you pull up an FTP program, um, like FileZilla or something like that. And it'll open up your Xbox. The password's always the same. The password's always Xbox. The name of the thing is Xbox, it's port 21, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Next thing you know, your Xbox pulls up just like it's another PC. And you can just drag and drop into the games folder, and they come right up. Yeah, it's almost oh, like, and maybe this was intentional, and I'm just like very thick about it, but it, it almost seems like Microsoft 
intended for this to happen at some point. You know what I mean? Like they just made it so simple to do that. I can't imagine they didn't think that people would figure this out. Well, they, they probably didn't think that this many people yeah. would figure it out. Well, they, they tried to stop it because, uh, you, a lot of people were T-sopping, which is what I do now and mm-hmm. stuff. You're basically, you know, flashing the T-sop chip. And in the 1.6, it does not have a flashable T-sop. That was their yeah. very last model. So they, they were fighting it, but it, most of the, most of the original, um, stuff wasn't even soft mod. It was all chips. Remember that? Okay. Whenever, no matter anything came out, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, seems like within a few months you had chips. At least I did because I was cheap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know exactly. that I I did it same day. Yeah, I, I don't know that I, I got any... my PlayStation Two and like same day got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that I owned any of those consoles back then that that wasn't chipped. I mean, my PSP, PS Two, PS One. You know, I used to do the PS One, but the PS Two I was in Korea at the time, so they hooked me up. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. So uh, now Sorry. you know how to uh, you know do something illegal. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> without a oh, I, I should say first you buy the game and then <laughs> you know, then you put the wrong. Hey. Um, real quick though, one of the other things you can do is you can put trainers on your Xbox. So there's a, 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 a file. It's called a trainer file. You put it on there and uh, it'll just auto. Uh, once you click it, it just kind of loads all the trainers. And what those do is when you go to pick a game, you hit the white button. And if there's a trainer for it, now basically a big list of cheats comes up and you get oh, to nice. pick what you want to do. So for something oh. like, and I know we'll talk about it here in a second, but something like uh, Magadama, you know, um, I hear the end is damn near impossible. So yep. you could you could get to that point playing normally and then go ahead and pull up a trainer for it the next time you load in and then put invincibility or, you know, extra weapons or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's, nice. That's kind of like a like a live game shark, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're old enough to remember Game Sharks, uh, <laughs> which we are, uh, yeah. <laughs> and if you're listening to our little niche podcast, you probably do as well. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so with that out of the way, um, let's talk about some of the games. Um, and uh, Rick already mentioned one, so I guess we can start with that one. Um, I was going to call it Magatama, but you're I guess right. it's... But I'm just gonna say maybe Magadama. Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't speak Japanese, so uh, <laughs> we just gotta pick one and go with it. Uh, so I'm just gonna call it Magatama. Uh, so this is actually one of the the better known uh, games uh, that did not you know come out in the West that was released in Japan, and it's probably because it was done by it was published by Microsoft Game Studios, and actually a number of the Xbox uh, you know official Xbox magazine demo disc actually included videos about the game. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you didn't know any better, I mean, you would have expected this game, you know, to have released in the West uh, because it's it's an action game. It looks absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, in terms of graphical style. And, uh, you know, it was publicized in some degree, you know, in the West. So you'd have expected this to release, but it didn't. Um, it was actually developed by uh, a team called Team Breakout. And from what I have gathered, this is a team that, I guess Microsoft funded, um, you know, in order to work on original Xbox games. And not only did they uh, make this game, but they also made the other uh, cult classic Phantom Dust, uh, which is one of those uh, hidden gems for the Xbox. Um, and it seems like after they made those games, they just kind of, you know, disbanded. Um, and actually, funnily enough, uh, Team Breakout was actually uh, made up of a few really interesting folks. Um, a lot of them actually, from what I saw in Moby Games, came from Squaresoft. 
Um, and this particular game, the director was Daisuke uh, Fukugawa, mm-hmm. uh, and he came from Squaresoft, and he was actually a scenario writer for Radical Dreamers, which, uh, if you guys have heard about it, this was the the, the sequel to Chrono Trigger, yeah. um, and it was like an audio-only sequel to, like an audio play almost, you know, uh, of sorts. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, the scenario writer. So essentially, a scenario writer is basically like the writer, what we yeah. call the writer here in the United States. Um, he was also a planner on Final Fantasy Tactics, which I know, Paul, you love Final <laughs> Fantasy Tactics. So anyone, Never heard of it. Never anyone heard of that it. is tangentially involved with Final Fantasy Tactics is in your good graces, uh, I imagine, Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he was also a system design sheet for Legend of Mana, which that was... The PS1 yeah. uh, Mana game that essentially you had to build like a world, uh, a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous looking game <laughs> with um, a terrific soundtrack by Joko Shimomura. Uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't Secret of Mana, so it got, you know, really criticized because it just wasn't Secret of Mana. Yeah. But it's definitely yeah. one of those games that you should check out. Uh, but certainly, I mean, it seems like Fukugawa-san, he uh, left Squaresoft after he worked on Legend of Mana. And then he went to this uh, Team Breakout. And so he worked on, on Magatama. And uh, after Team Breakout folded, uh, he served as director for Lost Odyssey. So it seems like he went to uh, Miss Walker, which was also constituted by former Squaresoft people. Uh, <laughs> so it seems like there was a strong Squaresoft connection here. And by the way, Miss Walker and Lost Odyssey, that was another Xbox published game. Yep. So um, it seems like... Uh, Fukugawa-san continued his relationship with Microsoft even after Team Breakout folded. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lost Odyssey, it's one of those, it's in many circles, it's called like the, the non-official Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it was done by Sakaguchi-san, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Um, and it's, you know, by all accounts, a really terrific, uh, entry in the Final Fantasy series that never was. <laughs> um, so, uh, but actually, uh, Fukugawa is still going strong and he actually is, uh, you know, involved with one of our favorite series. He actually is, uh, working at Sega now. Uh, and he was the event scene production lead for Jaguza Zero and Ooh, Kiwami. Nice. Uh, so he may have some more recent, uh, Jaguza games on his belt, but <laughs> they may just not be pulled up in Moby games yet. Uh, but certainly he seems to, uh, you know, have had a, a long career. And, uh, honestly, it's, it's frankly surprising because, uh, you know, Paul and Arnie, I mean, you guys know that when we talk about some of these guys, uh, or gals, honestly, um, they just kind of disappear. You know, they, they go they into, vanish. uh, you know, producer heaven and, uh, they, they go into middle management yeah, and they then you never hear from them. And lawyers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's really good to see that Fukugawa-san is still, uh, involved in games. Um, uh, but Magatama. Uh, really interesting game. Um, it's an action game, uh, in the mold, I would say, of, uh, Otogi. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Rick. I mean, I imagine that you played the Otogi games because oh, yeah. they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, if you can think about it, it's, it's set in a medieval feudal setting, uh, in Japan and it takes heavy cues from Japanese mythology. Um, it, it's something that seemed to be very popular at the time where you just took like the feudal setting and just added a bunch of demons and stuff like that into it. Uh, this seems to, <laughs> yeah. you know, seems to be the case as well. I mean, we also saw it in other games like Tenshu. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically a hack and slash, you know, game. Uh, it's, uh, I would say probably like a Devil May Cry, Ninja Gaiden, Otogi. Um, so I, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, Rick, uh, I know you played this game. What, yeah. uh, what were your thoughts about it? So this right now, this is my number one game I want to see a fan translation for, hands down. Mm. Um, I, I think it's great. And it's interesting that there hasn't been one. No, that's what's 
Uh, we have half fan translations for some of the other games we'll talk about that are nowhere near as good as this. And I, I put this right at the top of any of the Japanese exclusives. Um, I don't know why. And, and, and you, you kind of need, you can, you can muddle through and kind of, uh, start playing, you know, that's the good part. So just to kind of check it out, obviously we're talking about grabbing the stuff for free, mm. but, uh, <laughs> but the problem, the problem becomes because, uh, Orochi, your, your little dude next to you is super important as the game goes on and, and you need to learn to, you can upgrade his attacks. You can kind of set it up the way you want. Um, use him for his frenzy attack. There's other, other type things he can do. So since everything's in Japan or Japanese, you can't, you know, I, at least I can't figure out what yeah. the hell, how to upgrade them. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and it seems like, I mean, the, the complexity of the game is not necessarily with, you know, your, the combat from your character, but rather the way that you can customize Oroshi. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you only have one attack button, mm -hmm. but w through Oroshi, you can basically, you know, customize what sort of magic attacks he will throw. And Oroshi is kind of like this little demon that kind of follows you around, um, you know, which is very typical of these types of games. Um, but you can actually, it's, it's kind of like, Similar to what another game that we're going to talk about, like Persona, you know, where you have this Persona that you can basically fight with, yeah. essentially. Um, so it, it seems like you will need at least a little bit of a rudimentary understanding of Japanese in order to be able to know what you're tinkering around with in yeah. terms of, you know, customizing Oroshi. Um, so, uh, Arnie, what, what were your thoughts about this game? I mean, that when you looked at it, I mean, did you think that, you know, it was something that was worth porting over? Yeah, I mean, it, it was weird because I, you know, the the two games that I saw it compared to were Otogi and Ninja Gaiden, and I was like, I'm n I'm not good at either of those games. Like, <laughs> they seem very difficult. And <laughs> the way the person that I was watching the gameplay of described it, he sort of made it seem like it's very manageable up until like the last maybe third of the game where it becomes impossible. Um, yeah, was this uh, Jimmy Hapa? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I the thing that I the thing that I found really interesting and I think we'll get into it as we go along is that this was one of those games that seems really fun. It seems like it could be very easily have been successful over here. And it's one of the few like import Xbox games that doesn't seem to have any English in it at all because there's so many of these games that have English voices or English menus or yeah. something in English and this one's yeah. just like nope, this is completely Japanese. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul, what, what do you think of it? I mean, uh, did, did it surprise you that a game like this was not released in the West? I'm surprised it wasn't released in the West for sure, because that was a genre at the time that was really starting to kind of break out between Ninja Gaiden or Gaiden, you know, whatever, <laughs> or and, and Otogi. Otogi, which wasn't very popular, but really kind of should have been. It started picking up steam later on in its life. I'm Yeah, I'm surprised Magatama didn't make it out. But at the same time, I guess we had enough of those kind of games. I also think, I mean, uh, it was released in November 20th, 2003. Um, and around that time, uh, and Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but Xbox Live was pretty big. Yeah. And what people were playing was Rainbow Six. They were playing, uh, you know, all these first person shooters, I would say. You know, maybe Microsoft Game Studios saw this and they thought, 
look, this is really Japanese. Like it's really yeah. steeped in Japanese mythology. Um, people just may not be into this. And this was before Ninja Gaiden because Ninja Gaiden came out in 2004. Um, and Otoki was done by From Software, which we're going to talk about eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so From Software was able to like take a mulligan and say, hey, you know, we're going to release this game in the West uh, because that's just kind of the things they do. They just release like, you know, cult niche, uh, you know, games. Yeah. But with uh, Microsoft, maybe they looked at this and they said, you know what, guys? I mean, this doesn't really seem like it's going to sell. So maybe it's not worth doing all the translation and re-recording all the voices, etc. Because because there is so much Japanese, you do need a little bit more of a, you know, a more hands-on, you know, localization effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they just saw the degree of effort that it, that it would require. And they just said, you know what, guys? It's probably not going to sell very well, so we're not going to recoup our costs. Um, so you know, and, and particularly since it not do well in Japan, um, you know, they said you know, we've been validated. Like yeah. this is exactly you know the type of games that are not going to sell in the West. I don't know if that makes any sense. But no, none of their games yeah, do well in no. Japan, didn't they? I guess I guess it's all relative. Did Magatama just not do well compared to other Xbox games, or did it not do well because the Xbox sold poorly? I, I think it's uh, I think it's really the latter. I think it's just that the Xbox sold poorly. It, it's very difficult to gauge whether a game did well yeah. or not in, in, the, in the case of the original Xbox. It really is. It's eh? just yeah. there's only five hundred thousand you know Xboxes out there in the Japanese wild, and you can bet you know that the people that had them probably had their Xbox modded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would venture because if you were niche enough to get an Xbox in Japan, yeah, you were probably yeah. like, okay, I'm getting it because it has a hard drive and because I'm going to get to mod it. Yeah. So it's kind of very hard to gauge whether it was successful or not. But certainly, I mean, you can find this game online on eBay for, you know, not a, a, an inordinate amount. It's not yeah. going for ridiculous amounts yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Some of the games that we're going to be talking about do go for that. Uh, but this one, it, it doesn't seem to be the case, which usually... I consider that kind of like the barometer for determining whether a game was successful or not. Mm-hmm. If it's not very expensive, then it usually means that there are more copies out there in the wild. It may have just been that, you know, Microsoft just flooded the market with yeah, it. Yeah, over- overprinted. Uh, yeah, they, they, it may have just overprinted the whole thing instead of like, you know, what happened with Panzer Dragoon Saga where they just weren't enough copies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like a game that, you know, was later proved to be s- successful you know, with something like Ninja Gaiden coming out for the Xbox, the original Xbox, and being very successful. Yeah. So I imagine that by then, when Ninja Gaiden was successful, like they probably thought, you know, that ship has already sailed. Like yeah. we're not going to, probably. you yeah. know, we're not going to go back. By the time that Ninja Gaiden came out, the original Xbox was already on its way out. You know, they were already Microsoft was already considering, you know, what the next step are, mm. what what the next step is, and in 2005, the 360 would come out. Yeah, and Ninja so Gaiden I, was a known quantity too. Like there's exactly, a, there's a pedigree yeah. to, yes. to Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, you have, like you have Ryo Hayabusa. Mm-hmm. He was also in Dead or Alive, so you know his name and recognition was was alive by then. So. Yeah. I could imagine how this game just like completely went under the radar. Microsoft just like, you know, dusted it under the rug and said, you know yeah. what, let's move on to the next one. And the next one ended up being Phantom Dust, which Phantom Dust actually did get a lot of, you know, good, uh, you know, critical reception. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you play Phantom Dust, Rick. Well, you know, I was just going to let you know. Yeah, I've played it um, and I, I beat it. But um, fun fact, right now, at least when I uh, re-downloaded it on Xbox One, it was free. 
So oh, wow. you can, you can, and I'm sure it's probably still the same. It's one of those things that they don't really advertise, but yeah. if you go and do a search on the Xbox One for Phantom Dust, it's right there. It's free. And, you know, they cleaned up the graphics a little bit. It's playable. You can actually play it online nice. against people. Um, it's been probably four or five months since I played it on the Xbox One because I already beat it. So I just wanted to check it out. But yeah, yeah it's right there. Yeah. It's just, just something they just give you. Is it because of, uh, do you have Game Pass? Because maybe it's no. because, no. okay. All right. Well, that's that's good to know. I mean, uh, gold. You know, I may it was with gold. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Well, public service announcement from uh, the Region Free Gamers podcast. You can go and pick up Phantom <laughs> Dust for free. Now watch uh, they pulled it, and everybody's gonna hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's. But no, when I looked at this game, one of the things that surprises me. I mean, everyone knows that the original Xbox was like a powerhouse in terms of its graphics, but this game looks really, really damn damn fantastic, Rick. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know when you were playing it how how it actually looks because. I only saw videos, but it looks very crisp. It looks very clean. Um, you know, it almost looks like an early 360 game. Um, so I don't know if that kind of carries through it. It also seems like it's 60 frames per second. Uh, is that right, uh, Rick? Well, I'll be honest. I don't know if it's 60 frames per second, but it's pretty quick. I mean, yeah. um, it's not quite as visually stunning as, say, Ninja Gaiden. But, I mean, what was on the Xbox, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, but, no, yeah. it looks it looks really good. And uh, it, it has that Otagi feel to it. Mm-hmm. but fat but much faster okay okay um, i mean it's it's a you know like typical hack and slashes do you feel like sometimes you're like basically taking down like cannon fodder like there are too many enemies and they're easy to take down no, or is it just no it's not it's not one of those ones where it's it's um when you know they're just wave after wave yeah you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit less it does take a little bit because it, it, they say one button but you gotta have to remember if you hold the button longer yep then it's a different attack. So it takes a little bit of getting used to that. But once you master it, I mean, it's got that, it is a game where you have that feeling of satisfaction when you pull stuff off. And then mm-hmm. you, you know, you throw a Rochi in there and it, it gets pretty, pretty amazing. And then the only bad part would be when you, when you get to the hub, which is really nice. You can run around. There's things you can do. You can upgrade there. Um, you have your, I don't know what you would call her, kind of a side character. Uh, and I'm going to slaughter her yeah. name here. Uh, Korea. Um, I just sound like I called her name Korea, but anyway. Um, she won't shut up. It's like, I just call her the nag because basically I think it's like every eight or 10 seconds. She tells you in Japanese where the next mission is like, Hey, go here. And then you're like, Hey, I'm just trying to check stuff out. No, 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 go here. I'm like, like if I could reach to the screen and strangle a character, it would be her. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because there are quite a few of those types of characters in games and, uh, they're peppy hair, peppy hair. Screw that barrel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but um, do you see ever any possibility, um, you know, Rick, that this game will ever get localized by Microsoft? You know, same same way that they you know revived Phantom Dust, even though Phantom Dust was already localized, mm-hmm. but you know there was such a cult status that they said, you know, let's bring it back to the yeah. Xbox One. Um, do you think that there's any possibility that Magatama, you know, will ever be localized? You know, for one, I think it's on Steam. I could be wrong. I know about four or five of the ones we're going to talk about today are on Steam. But mm-hmm. as far as being localized, you're right. This one just slid under the radar. I I don't see a big... I mean, there's a, a niche fan base for it, you know? Yeah. But it's not something that's big enough to me to, like, Microsoft want to pull it back. I mean, Phantom Dust um, was known. And, of course, you know, we're, we're coming up to the big one here next. Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos was just... 
I mean, explosive. It's like yeah. legendary, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think enough people knew about it. I don't, I don't think a lot of people in America and North America in general even know that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because, I, I, again, I mean, recently I've been trying to, I don't know, gather as much history as possible. And part of that is just picking up some of the Xbox demo discs. And, uh, you know, this game came up there. So mm-hmm. I imagine that, you know, some kids may have seen it. They may have been impressed by it. And then they never heard about it ever yeah. again. Yeah. So um, hopefully, I mean, maybe we can start a petition to bring Magatama, <laughs> you know, to the West. Um, and Microsoft listens to us since they seem to be so uh, eager to please nowadays. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think you have to have. And everybody goes and buys their Sega, Sega Series X. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, uh, uh, I think for that to happen, you'd have to have something like happened with Metal Wolf, where I think Devolver went to uh, from and was like, "Hey, we'd like to bring this over," and they were like, "I mean, do what you go with God, do what you need to do." But at least that game yeah, already had yeah. an English voice track, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was thing. very easy to translate that game. And, yeah, I mean, there really wasn't much, but it had um, tons of buzz, you know, for trying to sound like a hip hip dude yeah. or whatever, but. Uh, you know, that, that game just, I mean, it gets talked about all the time, constantly, yeah. especially the people that yeah. own it before it got redone. You know, they'd show their pictures and stuff it in everybody's <laughs> face. <you know. laughs> all right. Well, we're going to talk about that one, but before we leave Magatama, Sorry. uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, big thumbs up. Thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Paul, what do you think? I'm, I'm lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many other games of that type. And the problem with that era, I find, is that a lot of the games are just super, super dark, like really dark palette. I was watching a video of Magatama and I was like, man, I can hardly see what's going on here. But that's that is endemic of you're you're right. You're right. And it's also they have like a very like monochrome palette where everything just looks brown yeah um and and that's something that's endemic to games of that era and it it, this it does still bug me but still you know just from a pure gameplay perspective i would love to try this game so uh my xbox now is it's out in new york it's not here in miami with me so i uh eventually when i get it back i'll soft mod it you know i'll go the the rick route and uh you know, get Magatama on my Xbox. Mm-hmm. But with that out of yeah. the way, uh, that's Magatama. That's one to go. Uh, let's uh, go on to the next one after a short break. Everybody, we're back and let's party! There we go. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> exactly. So, guys, get your testosterone up, grab your monster energy drink because we're gonna get <laughs> Friday up in here. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about Meta Wolf Chaos, the most manliest, hardest <laughs> American game that you've ever, ever played and will ever played. Uh, yeah, guys. So this is the most well-known only in Japan game yeah. because it's Hands absolutely down. bonkers. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. Uh, it, it became 
it became a cult hit because everyone just started talking about how there was this game in which you played as the president of the United States yeah. in a mech, in a mech trying suit. to take back America. <laughs> um, so good. I mean, I, I don't know how this wasn't done before, but God bless the Japanese for coming up with something <laughs> as weirdly crazy as this shit. I, you know, um, it starts with the name, right? Like the name immediately... I was like, these are three words that have absolutely nothing to do with each other. Nothing. And I would just like to know how they all connect together. And the thing is, you know, I was seeing some of the video interviews between Devolver Digital and and From Software, and they said that they came upon the name because they realized that three letters were bound to be more popular, just like Metal Gear Solid. That's exactly (laughs) what they wanted to do. So they said, okay, Metal, Wolf, Chaos. So Metal, as in the mech, Wolf, because the the mech is supposed to resemble a wolf, and chaos, because man, this game is just absolutely bonkers. <laughs> the most oh, accurate yeah. word um, out of all of them. <laughs> so, meta wolf chaos, there makes perfect sense. It makes more sense than any part of the story <laughs> you know, in this game. Um, yeah, but this game was just kind of like it, it's the first game that made people notice that there were games for the original Xbox that came out in Japan mm, that yeah. had not been released in the United States, and. There were people that would talk about this game like, you know, there's this really, really saney game out there. Yeah. Um, and once people found out about that, I mean, Rick, you must know about this. It became a super expensive game. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and for an original Xbox title to be that expensive, you know, it really meant something. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we're not talking about Panzer Dragoon Saga levels of expensive, but certainly you would have had to pay like $200, $250 in order to get the game. Uh, Rick, you may have had more experience with this. So yeah, it got up to about 240. I mean, yeah. for a really pristine copy mm-hmm. and it has dropped mm-hmm. considerably since, uh, you know, since the re-release came out. I mean, yeah. you can pick them up for about 130 now is the highest. And I've actually seen a couple just recently go for about, now I don't, I don't know the condition of them, but they were going for about 110 to 120. Oh wow. And I, and I think what it was yeah. is this game had such, a, I mean, it's such a mystery to it for anybody that didn't own it. Yeah. And it just, it's just, it has that huge legacy. And then, and then, like I said before, anybody that owned the game, you know, on the Xbox groups was shut it, shoving it in everybody else's face. Yeah. And then, you know, was, I think oversold some of it. It's the greatest game ever. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and you don't yeah. have it and you can't play it. Uh, cause, yeah. cause it was a little tough to find for a while online, but now, of course, you can download it, the, the old yeah. version. And but yeah, I've watched the price drop quite a bit, you know. Which is, I mean, do you still recommend that this game be played in the original Xbox, or do you think you know, hey, there's this re-release, you might as well just play it? Yeah, the, yeah, the re-release is fine because it's basically the exact same thing. They didn't really yeah. change anything other than they just kind of upscaled it. Yeah, and and the, there's the thing Good. with this game that unlike you know many of the only in Japan games for other consoles, it's fully in English. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the whole so thing. The, the whole thing is fully in English, and it was originally done that way. There's no Japanese audio track. <laughs> Which so, is infinitely uh, infuriating. It it truly is, like, so <laughs> annoying that they couldn't just, like, print up some labels and be like, all right, there we go. Yeah, yeah I mean, just like, yeah, no kidding. throw it out into the wild. But you can imagine, I mean, and we're, we're going to get into the controversy, you yeah. know, eventually, but... You can imagine that Microsoft did not want to be associated with a game where you kill Americans. Yeah. Fair <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. I mean, maybe maybe I'm a little bit tone deaf or maybe I'm a little bit naive, but I would have thought that Microsoft may have been like, you know what? We can avoid that PR crisis. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I know, um, I know they w- originally it was made to be released in both places. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, I, I saw the interviews with From Software yeah. and they were developing it because they wanted to appeal to the American audience. <laughs> I mean, you see it now and it's very satirical, but they were being earnest and trying to build something that Americans would just fall in love with. And lo and behold, oh, we did. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, mean, one of the, I know one of the producers said that he they wanted to make it uh, like how the Japanese perceive America. Which, I mean, yeah. like you said, pretty much comes off as a parody of America. Which is honestly, yeah. like, the yeah. Japanese think that we're much cooler than we actually are. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I was as cool as, as this guy. I oh, wish God, I yeah. owned a mecha suit that I could just ride around in. Yeah. Oh, man. But it's, it, you know, let's just go back to its uh, to its inception. It, it was developed by From Software. And uh, From Software right now is basically exclusively known for the Soulsborne games. Yeah. And uh, they're a powerhouse right now. They're a AAA studio. But From Software circa early 2000s, they were not known for that. In fact, their most popular franchise was Armor Core. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did have, you know, that experience with mech games. But before that, they were known for the Kingsfield games. And, and that was like a very hardcore RPG that eventually actually served as the influence for the, the Demon Souls games, etc. Yeah. Uh, but funnily enough, I mean, from software, I, I always knew them as a development studio that just released a ton of games that were extremely prolific. Uh, they released an armor core every single year, sometimes even two a year. Um, and then they had all these other games that they would release, like Evergrace, Eternal Ring. I mean, just in the PS2 launch, they had three games that were released at launch. And that was Evergrace, <laughs> Eternal Ring, and Armor Core 2. So if you had a PS2 at launch, odds are that you may have gotten a From Software game at yeah. that point. Under, um, what was so- it, HTEC was the... Yeah, What's so HTEC was the, the, the publishing That's right. partner for, for From Software around the time in the United States. HTEC is no longer around, actually. So, um, but yeah, I mean, From Software, like almost all of their games for the most part, like they scored in the seven to eight range. Yeah. You know, uh, something like the Adventures of Cookie and Cream, you know, may have scored, <laughs> you know, around that same, uh, you know, range. But, uh, yeah, so they developed this game and they started developing it around 2003 and actually, from what I have seen here, you know, it was kind of done by the, the B team. So it seems like in order to be as prolific as they were, uh, From Software actually had different silos of, of teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, the A team was kind of like the Armor Core team. Nowadays, the A team would be like the Souls team. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. the B team would work on all these other cookie projects. So the B team was kind of like, you know, Evergrace um, and uh, also Echo Knight, yep. which I think it's a very underrated game. Yep. Eventually, we'll do an episode on From Software and uh, we're going to get to talk about all those weird games mm-hmm. that they made. Um, and it seems like this is the same team that worked on Evergrace, that worked on Echo Knight, on the Evergrace sequel, which was Forever Kingdom. And they also worked on the Otogi series. So there, there you go. Another reference to Otogi. So <laughs> it seems like they developed the Otogi games and then they went on to develop Metal Wolf Chaos. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, the team had pedigree. Um, and I'm glad that they got to work on it because it seems like from software just gave them completely carte blanche to do whatever the hell they wanted. Um, so uh, Rick, when did you first hear about this game? Um, well, I heard about it. Jeez. I have no idea. I mean, it was year, you know, at least. 15 you know maybe probably (laughs) five six years after it came out you know is when i heard about it but the the thought of being able to get it or download it was just that wasn't going to happen back then yeah um yeah but i'd say maybe the last six years 
when I kind of started getting, uh, you know, after I became an empty nester and, uh, was able to get it, you know, get into the collecting and whatnot. And the <laughs> Xbox was one of the first three things that got me into this. Oh, it was like right off the bat. I mean, within one week, it hit an Xbox groups. It was just like metal wolf chaos everywhere. And I was like, Oh yeah, exactly. I remember that. And, uh, exactly. and then I, I got a, a, a downloadable copy. And then of course, eventually I got, you know, the real thing. And yeah, it just, I mean, for me, I love these type games. I love games that are batshit crazy. I will, I will look past maybe some control issues or whatever, although this one doesn't have it. Um, like for instance, right now I'm totally hooked on man eater. I can't stop playing that game. It's like, I just, I, I, I don't understand how people beat it in 10 hours because all I want to do is just go around the ocean and kill people, you know, as a shark. <laughs> and like the Deadpool game, the same type thing. And this, oh, yeah. Yeah. this takes even the Deadpool type thing to like times a hundred. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. bat shit crazy. And the, the cheesy dialogue is just, it's, it's like they made a game for me. It's like, well, I mean, and I think, uh, I think the dialogue is really one of the big parts about why this game is just a good experience to play because the the dialogue is so bad. It's good. Oh God. And, uh, there, there are just so many things that you hear and you're like, that's ridiculous that she would say that. So, um, you know, let's, let's just read the concept. Let's just read the Wikipedia entry, fellas. Um, so the player takes on the role of fictional president of the United States, Michael Wilson, who is a descendant of Woodrow Wilson, Amazing. by the way, who pilots a mech to battle the rebelling military led by fictional vice president Richard Hawk. And yeah. Wilson's mech can be equipped with up to eight weapons selected from a set of over a hundred. In each mission, the player battles with destructible environments, destroying all enemies they come across. Cross. like that's just like <laughs> mwah, yeah. just chef's kiss you know yeah. of, of why excellence. woodrow wilson why i don't know why they would pick why wasn't it michael washington i don't know why they would pick like a racist you know president you know that served just you know one and a half term <laughs> um yeah i, I, I don't know i don't western have... looking type president maybe you know yeah. cowboy <laughs> I, I, I guess a little maybe bit. i I, I, I guess, but you know, it's, uh, it, it's one of these games that it came out, you know, and it was all in English. And, you know, you have your, you know, your main character, Michael Wilson, and he's always aided by this secretary, <laughs> Jody, uh, called Jody. Yeah. And, uh, the banter between Jody and Michael is just one of the most amazing things ever. So, uh, you know, at some point you're, you know, you're killing enemies and they say, well, I guess they won't be voting for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which seems like a frankly insane thing to say. And, and just to get it out of the way, we actually discuss whether we should talk about this game, to be honest, mm-hmm. because right now, as we record this, like the country is on, you know, one of its most tense moments in history. And the idea of talking about a game in which you essentially like kill like fellow Americans, it's pretty crazy mm-hmm. and not entirely, you know, what you know, you want to kind of propagate, but at the same time, you know, after thinking a little bit more about it, the, the game is just so insane and yeah. it's so satirical that it's impossible to take at face value. Yeah. Uh, you can't look at this game and say, oh my God, they're advocating for the killing of American people. Um, you know, I, I really think that you have to take it as a cartoon of sorts. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if any of you see it the same way. I mean, Paul, I mean, oh, I know absolutely. we talked about this a little bit, but what do you think? I think it's hyper realistic and it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Paul does advocate for launching the mechs as soon as as soon as humanly possible. Absolutely. 
up here they're made out of wood. <laughs> exactly. No, but if you look at this game and the context in which it was made, I mean, this this was made in 2003, and uh, yeah. Rick, you may recall, this is when the Iraq War was in, you know, was being launched. So I think, you know, from the perspective of the Japanese, they looked at uh, at the United States and they looked at their ever present, you know, military. And they wanted to make some, I don't think they wanted to make a statement, but they wanted to kind of portray what they saw yeah. as like this ultra macho gun obsessed culture, you know, that's going around essentially, you know, with, you know, this, this ideas of giving freedom and liberty, you know, by, you know, destroying and, and shooting and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> um, and I think that's probably a product of what people were seeing, you know, at the time, because it was a very turbulent time for the world. So, um, it seems like when you come, you know, from that perspective, you know, it makes perfect sense that, that they would do a game like this. Um, but, you know, really it's, it's a game that I, I don't know if it's a good game, to be honest, Rick. Um, I I think that's, I I think that's, uh, subjective. Um, you know, I, I played it and it's very repetitive. That's, that's the first thing, but uh, you know, you get through the game because of the next thing that you want to see in terms of how ridiculous it gets, you know, like for example, like the second mission, you know, you go up to this big building and they say, well, this was just built like a few years ago in order to increase tourism. And I always thought it would be great to see how it would look if yeah. it was destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Jody's the line. <laughs> you know, so you want to go, you know, towards that next quip or that next banter, you know, that's going to, you know, make you laugh or at the very least giggle. Um, so I don't know what you think. I mean, uh, maybe you think that this game is a gameplay master- masterpiece, Rick. <laughs> so- um Okay, you're fired. Um, <laughs> wait, I don't have that executive veto rights. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not. A, I do, I do enjoy some mech games. I'm not a huge, you know, mech person, so I never felt like I was qualified to to, to judge it, you know, on its on its mech qualities. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm not gonna lie. If you if you were to strip away, you know, all the comedy and all the whether it was meant to be or not. I, I don't, I don't know where it lies. I can't defend mm-hmm. all of that. Um, but I will say that for me, it's just, I mean, I have one note I showed you guys for this game and it just says America. That's yeah. it. That's my note for this, <laughs> this whole thing. It, I mean, you turn it on and you have like, um, news and then you see the, remember how you see America, the map of America with an American flag waving over it. And, and the other thing yeah. is Joe, we talk about Jody who's in your headset. She's your secretary and also your love interest. Um, <laughs> She, she never gets annoying to me and she talks all the time. And to have yeah, a game yeah. like that, you know, and, and I don't want to give anything away because I really didn't want to talk too much about what happens in the game because mm-hmm. it's so batshit crazy that yeah. you really need to, but where this game ends up is, is about as batshit well, crazy. You pretty as much you can, can imagine that it doesn't end up just in the United States. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. It's no. Uh, like spoilers ahead. It's, it's, you know what it is? You know what it is? How about this? This is, this is how I feel about this game. And there's a few games like this. It's an experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really yeah. is. You know, it, it, it's, 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 for me, it's a little bit more than a game. It's like, I, I mean, for one, the soundtrack's amazing. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack yeah. is great, and, and I, I want to talk about that for a moment because it's done by Kota Hoshino. Um, if you guys have heard one of our region free radio episodes, you know that I really, you know, like Kota Hoshino and the mm. work that he has done. The Evergrace games, you know, they had one of the weirdest soundtracks, but to me, one of the best soundtracks. And this, this soundtrack is like punk metal, you know, just like going all out <laughs> at all times. And it doesn't feel derivative, you know, it doesn't feel like, 
you know, your typical metal soundtrack where it's like, oh man, you know, they got some like jam session musician to like record a few licks and that's it, you know, <laughs> to like record one riff. Yeah. Like over you, and you over. can pretty much tell that this game was done, you know, like with everyone just kind of putting all their creative energy into it and just cranking out something that you've never seen before. And, and, um, not, so that, and not that it's a bad thing, but it doesn't have that, that Japanese rock type feel like say guilty gear game, you know, yeah. which I love that yeah. soundtrack too, yes. but this, I don't know how they did it. It's just very America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And it was actually, it was produced by Masanori Takeuchi. Uh, he also produced the Otogi games and uh, actually he's still at From Software and, uh, you know, he's working on the Souls game. He's working on the Dark Souls games. Uh, and it was also directed by Keishiro Ogawa, who designed mm-hmm. the Echo Knight games. So again, he's also from software. He's an artist. Now it's interesting because from software, a lot of their people, you know, that were much more involved in the design front or the composing front, you know, they've gone on to just do like sound design or they just become artists and stuff like that. It seems like uh, some of the, the, the players and from software have gotten a lot of recognition. It's pushed some of the other, uh, you know, uh, staff members back. Uh, which is really a shame because I do want to see more of these types of games. Mm. And, uh, I feel like From Software has been trying to recapture that era of, you know, creating just uh, an eclectic mix of games. Yeah. I think they kind of have been doing it with, uh, Deracine, which came out on the PSVR. Yep. Um, and then they did, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Uh, but they're still pretty much the Souls, you know, house. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the game was actually supposed to be released in the United States. And then, you know, Masanori Takeuchi was told, we're not going to release it. And I think there were several factors and you guys can debate this, but one of them was this was near the end of the Xbox life cycle. Yeah. So it came out in Japan in December 22nd, 2004. Um, Basically, there was not much that they needed to do in order to localize it. But at the same time, they were like, okay, we're gearing up for the Xbox 360. Maybe we don't want to put our budget into, you know, creating, you know, kind of uh, marketing for this game. And then when you combine it with the controversial aspects, which essentially you're playing as a pseudo fascist, you know, uh, character, you know, that's taking down American soldiers. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, especially coming off the heels of 9-11, I could see how, uh, an American, you know, in the advertising department at Microsoft might have been like, you know, maybe that's not the best idea. So, and I had read that too. There was concern that because, I mean, this is what, uh, you know, you, Obviously, it was a few years after 9-11 that that was mm. one of the concerns that I yeah. think Japan raised it. Um, so yeah, Microsoft, yeah. like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but the game is, you know, the game is pretty much trashy grindhouse. And out of all yeah. the games that, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, this is the only one to have gotten a release in the West, an official mm-hmm. release. So the Volver Digital sent a tweet in 2016 in the context of the presidential election and uh, it caught the eye of from software and so you know the the relationship was established and then they picked up you know the rights to publish it in the west and so the volver digital actually released it in the west uh and it actually had a physical release in 2018 so that was by the name of metal wolf chaos xd Um, which the biggest travesty in the history of gaming (laughs) happened in in that uh yes the xbox we got a downloadable version and <laughs> the playstation got i can't even say it the playstation got a physical version that you could yeah. buy oh i didn't realize and that there was no, no physical oh, no xbox. I didn't I, i'm gonna say it right now i'm a huge <laughs> i'm throwing a fit i'm a baby i'm on the ground i'm stomping and i'm crying and i i that was one of the very few times i ever turned into a true 
uh, you know, gaming nerd. And like, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like ready to throw shit. I was like, you've got to be, this yeah. is like the most Xbox, the Xbox, Xbox American game. console, American game. Yep. And you're not giving me a physical copy for the Xbox one. I was, well, like, I was pissed. I just should be, Rick. I mean, that I didn't know about yeah. that, and I'm actually pissed right now as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, this is a game that it was the physical release was exclusive to GameStop. So yeah. you know, public service announcement: you may want to pick it up. It's going for 14.99 at GameStop <laughs> right now, <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's probably going to go up in price as well as these types of exclusive games uh, coming out in the late generation cycle. You know, yeah, they tend to go up in price fairly, uh, you know, fairly well. So I picked one up for me and. I picked one up for Paul. So now we're Metal Wolf Chaos owners, um, as everyone should be. <laughs> yes. Uh, not the physical release in Xbox because that didn't happen, unfortunately. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it, it feels kind of weird because, you know, from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like the re-release actually was very successful. I no. mean, no. I, I, it's it's like this game got a second shot of life and uh, it, you know, it kind of flunked again. Um, they had a good press I, release, too. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, saw that. Yeah, and, yeah, that yeah. and the Volver Digital is really good about publicizing its games. You um, know, they have a really good marketing arm. So it just seems like, you know, the the gimmick of this game may have passed by. Like, it's just not the right moment anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem... And maybe it's also, like, just a few people being very vocal. Yeah. You know, like, in, in this day and age, very few people can become very loud and so when you have a very niche group of people extolling the virtues of Metal Wolf Chaos, how many people are really listening? You know what I mean? Outside of kind of the hardcore gaming community. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, exactly. and it wasn't a so, revamp. I mean, it's just the, you know, for me, I was kind of like, you know, obviously I have to have it, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it's just the same thing, you mm-hmm. know, with better graphics. Yeah. Um, I wish they had added checkpoints. I think that's the one thing that would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. That well, is the I mean, one I thing I wish... will admit is a little frustrating about the game. Um, <laughs> and I also wish that they would have added more behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, for you sure. Know, you yes. know, more interviews and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It seems like very bare bones. It's just a game and that's it. Yeah. Um, and I went into it hoping to see some kind of behind the scenes stuff to talk about on the episode, but there was nothing. Um, so I, I do wish that they would have done a little bit more than just the bare minimum in terms of re-releasing it. I know that they wanted to release like the pristine original experience but that doesn't take away from trying to add more stuff that may supplement you know your knowledge about the game and its cult status so uh but yeah in any event you know it's in the united states it's 14.99 if you get it on GameStop. so uh definitely i i would say it's worth 14.99 rick um no, sorry I, <laughs> not, not, for the, not for the playstation sorry no no i look I do. I, I'll be honest. I probably play my PlayStation Four the most. I know, <gasps> shocker um, of the new systems, but I. It's just one of those. I can't do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I totally get it, and I don't, but I get it. Yeah. Uh, but with that out of the way, let's let's move on to the next game, and this is a game that I'm going to rely heavily on Arnie because oh, Arnie is our resident Shin Megami Tensei expert. Uh. So that's Shin Megami Tensei Nine. Because guess what? The Xbox got an original Shin Megami Tensei game in the mainline series that was never released for any other consoles, never ported over to any other consoles, and never came out in the West. Yep. Did this blow your mind, Arnie? Uh, I had I had heard of Nine before. Um, I'd never, you know, it's 
there's so many Shin Megami Tensei games that just never came out that I've like resigned myself to this <laughs> yeah. point that I just won't like this is like if all over again like Shin Megami Tensei if is another one that I'm always like oh that looks so interesting and I think there is a fan translation for that one I don't know if there's one for nine Rick do you I know I can't find I can't find one no yeah I haven't, no, I'm not saying there's yeah. not but I can't find one yeah, yeah and I, so yeah. until that exists like nine may as well be you know the holy grail or something like I'll never I'll I won't ever be able to play it because it's so dependent on that. Um, yeah. But I was able to find some gameplay of it. And I mean, for for the time that it was released, like, it, it's not mind-blowing, but I would have I would have played this. I mean... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if it would have been released in the West, I mean, and you were an RPG person, yeah. um, certainly it's, it's worth taking a flyer on, particularly when you consider, you know, the history of Shin Megami Tensei. I mean, at this point... Shin Megami Tensei wasn't what it what it is yeah. now. You know, Persona Three hadn't released, but even Shin Megami Tensei Three Nocturne um, had not released, and that's the game that actually kind of propelled mm-hmm. you know SMT or Megaten, however you want to call them, uh, into the broader you know consciousness. Yeah, and uh, it was only with the PS2, and it's interesting because they tried their hand at this generation of consoles with the Xbox first. Yep. Um, and then, you know, they decided, well, the Xbox, this was a complete flunk. Uh, so we're going to go over to the PS2. And that's when, you know, Megaten took off. Yeah. So they released Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. And then they also released the Digital Devil Saga games. Yep. Um, which and Devil Summoners. Um, and Devil Summoner. Um, so the PS2 got a lot of Shin Megami Tensei games. And, it, and it's the console that, you know, propelled Megaten to what it is now. Yeah. Particularly with Persona 3 and then Persona 4. Yeah, the, um, the PS2 definitely was the JRPG console. And so obviously the Megami Tensei games yeah. were so much more comfortable in that environment. But I, I, I have mm-hmm. to think if 9 had made it over here... You know, in a, in, in the Xbox sort of ecosystem where JRPGs weren't as plentiful, maybe it would have stood out a little more and maybe it would have done, you know, a little bit better than, than they expected it to do. Well, and particularly because the, the, the Xbox lacked RPGs. Yeah. And I could certainly tell you it's probably better than Sudeki. I, I could <laughs> almost tell you with complete confidence that it's better than Sudeki. Yeah, but probably not as good um, as Morrowind. So. Eh. No, 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 no. I, I would, no. yeah, Morrowind was, was huge <laughs> at the time. You know, I think there are certain factors as to why Shin Megami Tensei 9 materialized on the Xbox. And I think the biggest factor is because Atlas, you know, was really enticed by the online capabilities yep. of the Xbox. Um, and Shin Megami Tensei 9, and let's just call it 9, mm-hmm. you know, henceforth, um, was supposed to be an online only game. Yep. You know, it was supposed to be kind of like an MMORPG. And I think, you know, because this game was uh, made by a lot of the original, uh, you know, SMT uh, developers and just, you know, for a little bit of background knowledge, Shin Megami Tensei originally came out on the Super Famicom mm-hmm. uh, 1 and 2. This game actually takes place between 1 and 2. The, the, um, so the, the, the holy interquel, the greatest yeah, piece yeah. of media you could ever aspire to. Exactly. The interqual, interqual status is what everyone should aspire <laughs> to. I mean, we should have many more interquals. Um, but the Megami Tensei games, I mean, they originally were released on the Famicom. Uh, there were two Famicom games that were based on a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Shin Megami Tensei games were released in the Super Famicom and they take place on a Tokyo that has been destroyed by an intercontinental ballistic missile. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, people live in bunkers, you know, the Japanese live in bunkers. And Megami Tensei 9 takes place in that period where people are living in bunkers. And so they create 
um, this uh, virtual world called the idea space, which essentially is like the Matrix. You yeah. know, they basically... The concept of this game is essentially the Matrix. Um, you know, their humanity has been pushed underground and basically their only way, you know, of entertainment and of interacting with each other is to go into this virtually simulated world. And so you customize your avatar and essentially you could be male or female and you go into this idea space, um, where you interact with others that also have, a, you know, a demon. Let's just call yeah. it a persona. It's, it's not a persona. Let's just say, you a know, shadow a demon, or you know. a demon. Yeah, or... a shadow, whatever you want to call it, a stand, if you want to use uh, JoJo terms. <laughs> um, so, you know, eventually the idea space ends up being um, invaded by this monsters called the noise. And so it's up to you, you know, you basically get, get hired as a debugger uh, in order to take down the noise. And of course, you know, this is like the early 2000s, so there's going to be hacking involved, Hell you know, yeah. and there's like a hacking side game and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, Rick, have you experienced this game at all? So I think my favorite part of the game is where President Wilson plugged his mech into the VR <laughs> and then just destroyed everything. And then he single-handedly yeah, saved the idea space. The game. That was my, I really enjoyed that. Um, no, look, I, you know, I tried playing it, but it's yeah. all Japanese. And, yeah. You know, I, I was just basically sitting there hitting yeah. the A button over and over and over again. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, I have no idea what they're saying. So it's yeah. kind of impossible to play a game, you know, an RPG where it's so dialogue heavy. Yeah. You know, nine, it actually, nine doesn't refer refer to you know the ninth entry of Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> it actually refers to the various alignments that you can take up. So there are nine different alignments that you can take up. So um you know the original Shin Megami Tensei games, you know, you could take up different alignments, mm-hmm. law, chaos, you know, uh evil, I don't know, <laughs> I guess. Um so essentially the the Megaton games are very religiously, you know, influenced. Yeah. You know, they they take place within this battle between you know gods between this battle between demons you know so it's like the forces of light and the forces of dark Mm -hmm. and essentially humans are just kind of being used as pawns in this grand battle yeah so essentially this game continues that kind of narrative um and it has all these demons you know all of them designed by kasuma kaneko who was the original kind of aesthetic designer for uh the mega 10 games um it was really fun um, um in the gameplay i was watching because unlike the other sort of mega 10 and persona games your your shadows follow you around like they actually realize 3d models um yeah that sort of you know come around with you and that was very pokemon ish but i liked seeing like all these 3d rendered models of all these you know little yeah. demons and shadows i thought that was really cool yeah, and, and you know, and it has all the Megaton like features. Like you can, you know, obtain capture monsters, yep. negotiate with them. You can fuse them. Um, you know, so you actually have like, you know, certain levels. You know, of what type of monsters you can you can fuse. You know, and you and you know, the, your monsters kind of take up like kilobyte space. You know, like kilo devil space, <laughs> um, which is weird. And you can like compress the monsters so that you can create more powerful monsters yeah. and stuff like that. It's really cooky. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was the first Megaton games to utilize 3D graphics. You know, it also had a 3D perspective, the first one to have a customizable avatar. So it, it they really were working. Atlas was really working on making this game the next entry in the Megaton franchise. And unfortunately, things went wrong. Yeah. You know, the first thing that went wrong is that this game was expected to be online. And that's mm. the first thing that started just going down the drain. So the online started running into difficulties. And so they separated it between the online and offline component. 
and eventually the offline component was done and they could still not get the online portion going so they just had to abandon the online component exactly it's worth noting that eventually we would get an online Shin Megami Tensei. It was called Shin Megami Tensei Imagine, I think, Yeah, that came out in yeah. 2007 yeah. and was short-lived. I don't know if there's still maybe, like, private servers for it or something, but yeah. they, they eventually figured it out, I guess. No, it actually was going until, like, 2018. Yeah. I mean, it was still going in, like, 2018, so that, that was, at least, you know, by MMO metrics, mildly successful. Yeah. Um, but the problem was that as soon as the game was split, and the online component could not be achieved, you could clearly tell that this game was missing something. Yeah. You know, you could clearly tell that this game was done with a different design mentality in mind. Because even the wide open spaces that you have, you could tell that it was meant to have different characters and different players mm-hmm. interacting with each other. Um, and so it just feels weirdly empty, you know, from what I saw. I don't know if you felt that way as well, Artie. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've seen people note when playing the game. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, by the time that it was finished, you know, Atlas had taken a huge loss. It was a huge commercial failure. Uh, it had only sold around 45,000 units by 2003, um, which is really, really bad. Yeah. And they pushed um, it hard, too. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of marketing behind it. Um, so from what I understand, Atlas was like really in the red <laughs> because of this game. So I imagine that they just did not want to incur any greater losses yeah. um, in trying to port this game over. Because yeah. this is probably one of the more difficult porting jobs, you know, that developers would have to do. Because honestly, I mean, it's all dialogue for yeah. the most part. Um, yeah. So I imagine that by the time that they saw how much of a failure it was, they said, you know what, let's just focus on on pumping Nocturne. Um, let's get the Digital Devil Saga games out there and let's just put this behind us. We don't need to incur any greater yeah. losses on this. But it, so it, it's it's kept this appeal, this game, as an untouchable Mega Ten game, yeah. you know? And it's kind of very hard to see it ever getting officially localized. Yeah. I, I don't imagine that Alice will ever go out of its way to officially localize this game. No. I mean, do you think so, Paul? I think it's impossible. Oh, it's just going yeah. to be it's just going to be this thing out there in the wilderness that only the most hardcore Megaten fans are going to be really interested in. The fact is, it just doesn't look that good no, because no. it's in, you know, it's like the first 3D kind of effort for them. And like you said, there's an online component that was supposed to be in there clearly missing. It's not a perfect game by any stretch, so no, I yeah. can't imagine it ever getting some kind of localization. Yeah, and the wireframe battle, you know, battle scenario looks very unappealing to me. I don't know <laughs> if uh, you guys felt the same way. Yeah, Confusing. you're just like in a yeah. void. Yeah, it just feels like you're in a void, like it's almost unfinished. Um, and the the hacking mini game, if you want to call it that, just does not seem to be that good. Yeah. So I, I don't find if this was a better game, if this was a game that, you know, like Metal Wolf Chaos, where people are talking about it and saying, man, you really got to play this game. I would say that maybe there's a chance, but as it is, it just feels like an experimental failure. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah. don't see it ever coming out. And it's interesting because I did read the plot and I continue to read the plot and it does sound very interesting. Like it has a lot of theological themes, a lot of philosophical themes like most Megaten games yeah. do, but it does have a pretty good plot once you start, you know, going into it. So I do kind of, you know, miss that fact that, you know, we're not going to get something 
you know, it translated, uh, where it could be a very interesting story. But I, I guess, I guess it's not a huge loss when we've gotten so many other Megaton games in yeah. the grand scheme of things. Hopefully, some so, fan translators get to it eventually. Eventually, I mean, it's not Mother Three, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's something. In any case, uh, I think that's a good spot for a break. So uh, let's say goodbye to Shin uh, Megami Tensei Nine, and uh, we'll be back with a few more games. Alright guys, we're back and uh, you know, we are, you know, kind of dragging our feet a bit a little bit because Metal Wolf Chaos was so awesome, we just had to focus on it. Uh, so we're gonna try to get a move on so that you guys can hear a little bit uh, more of some of the games that never came out stateside. So the next one, uh, let's talk about Dinosaur Hunting. Uh, it was released on August 2nd of 2004 and it was published by Microsoft Game Studios and it was also developed by Scarab. And actually, this is one of the games that we almost got. Uh, we almost got this game because there was an English version of this game and it was about to be published, you know, by this publisher called, um, Metro 3D. Um, I don't know if you ever saw any of the Metro 3D games, but they were basically bargain bin games, uh, <laughs> that were not very good. Um, yeah. so surprise, surprise, they, uh, they went bankrupt. Um, and they just happened to go bankrupt, uh, just as they were about to publish Dinosaur Hunting. So the funny thing about this game is that there's actually a, a US cover. It was actually rated by the ESRB. Uh, it, there was actually promotional material. <laughs> Some reviewers and magazines actually had the code and they were able to play it and they had the review ready to go. And then Metro folded and nothing happened. Amazing. So. Wow. We could have received this game. And the funny thing is that there is an English version of this game somewhere out there in someone's hard drive or in some reviewer's, uh, I don't know, apartment. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it hasn't, uh, surfaced. Uh, and this is actually for me, I don't know. I mean, I, I really dig the concept of this game. I don't know. I love dinosaurs, guys. Do you guys love dinosaurs? Because I do. I, I thought it was really cool looking. Like when I first booted up the videos I was going to watch, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a rough, <laughs> rough. ride. Um, but no, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was really interesting. And I got to say, this is like the weirdest thing, but it has like one of the most satisfying gun reloading sounds I've ever heard in a video game. Like just like exactly. a nice rifle. <laughs> I was like, damn, that sounds like really nice. But isn't it a tranquilizer yes. gun? Yeah, all of them are tranquilizers. Even the yeah, all of them are tranquilizers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think the, the app description of this game is a dinosaur tranquilizer simulator. Yeah. So, it's, it's just, oh, essentially, the, the, the story of this game, it takes place in an alternate uh, reality, 1910. And it's actually a little bit of a sequel to uh, The Lost World. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, in here, in this alternate reality, there are a ton of technological advances. It makes it look more like it's the 21st century mm -hmm. than the early 20th century. And apparently, dinosaurs have not gone extinct in a particular island, but there's going to be this tectonic movement or something like that that's going to make them go extinct. And so this millionaire or billionaire hires this crack team of hunters in order to <laughs> save the dinosaurs, essentially, by tranquilizing all of them. So, you know, I don't know, when I see the game... You know, there's a lot of like preparation that goes on in the game. You have this timer, but the timer is like three hours or something like that. 
And you have to mix concoctions in order to tranquilize the dinosaurs. And so if you have like a bigger dinosaur, you have to mix different uh, herbs, etc., in order to create the ideal tranquilizer. And so you have to take down <laughs> the dinosaurs in as few shots as possible. So it reminds me a lot of uh, Monster Hunter. It, it really does. And kind of like it's methodical. You have this playground and you essentially hunt these dinosaurs. I, I don't know. Did you guys get any of Monster Hunter vibes with this one as well? I'm not a big Monster Hunter player, so <laughs> so I, I, I can see where you're I'm, coming from. Um, yeah, I, and I know that Audi hated Monster yeah. Hunter, so <laughs> yeah, uh, this looks much I, nicer I, to me than Monster Hunter. <laughs> I like that the dinosaurs have feathers. This is one of the few ones where we kind of did a more realistic. If you yeah. think about it, even back then, you know, we've we've acknowledged that yes, dinosaurs had feathers. So yeah, and you have the the T yeah. Rex with a blue mohawk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, how, how could you avoid that? Oh. I, I want all my T-Rexes to have blue Mohawks because yeah, that's, that's awesome. exactly how they should have been. Um, Although so, Sabertooth Tiger is super squatty. His, this is really thick and, and short. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you hunt 52 different dinosaurs and you track them down, usually through their feces. Um, so there's a lot of feces hunting in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's good. That's nice. And, uh, it's just getting better yeah, and better. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I find this game very appealing. The voice acting also is all in English. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it seems to be really common to have this voice acting be in English, but I think it's because they wanted to cut the cost of development. Yeah. And if Microsoft Game Studios was, you know, basically footing the bill, uh, they wanted to make sure that, uh, they did not have to incur great localization costs. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Lo and behold, you have a game that is all in English. Yeah. And the but, subtitles uh, are in Japanese. And yeah. uh, the, the ticker on top, of, of course, everything else is in Japanese for the most part. I wish I knew what was going on on the ticker on top because you'll see like a, a flag from another country will come up like Canada or something. And then you can tell they're telling you something, but I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the UI is in <laughs> Japanese and that's, and that's yeah. the difficult part. But but Rick, did you play this game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this yeah. this game's. I can get... Uh, you can kind of muddle through because uh, even even when it's just having Japanese on the screen instructions, it'll show you a picture of the button. So, I mean, even I can understand picture stuff, you know? I'm a, yeah. You know? Um, so, you're like, okay, he wants me to do this, wants me to do that. And so you, you can definitely get through like the learning phase of it and then start, start playing, um, to where you're doing the, like you said, investigating the feces or the splatter on the wall. And, and it's funny, some of the stuff you can't even touch unless you in- investigate it first, you know? Um, yeah. I like it. I, I do, I do. I wish the resolution was a little better on it. Yeah. Um, but I will say that the dinosaurs are pretty good. Uh, the raptors are dicks, just like, you know, raptors are. <laughs> you, 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 they hide them pretty good in, in like these, these little patches of grass. They'll come around a corner. And if you're not paying attention, you know, they just leap yeah. at you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as, as they do, I mean, that's a typical raptor behavior. We, we all know that raptors are dicks. Yeah. But there are 52 different dinosaurs in this game. And at the very least, it seems like it's a good game to like kind of have a, an archive of different yeah. dinosaurs. I mean, and if you're a dinosaur yeah. fan, then you're in heaven, man. It's way so better than Dino actually, Crisis 3. It is way better. <laughs> I mean, Dino Crisis 3 actually was released, and that was the one with dinosaurs in space. In space yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, now you do. And now the you first do. Two and are you, so you're going to wish that you hadn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I do want to play this game. And it, and it seems, I mean, it seems a little bit import-friendly. 
And I, I just hope that at some point an English version materializes. Yeah. Someone leaks it. Like somebody dumps but the ROM and whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, even if just for preservation purposes, yeah. I, I, I really do think that, you know, we know why this game was not released in the US. Mm-hmm. And that's because Metro 3D went bankrupt. But I don't know. You would have expected some other developer, I mean, some other publisher to have seen this game. It's ready to go. Yeah. Just publish it. So it's kind of surprising that no one really picked it up. I mean, nowadays you see uh, a publisher like, uh, uh, which one is it? Deep Silver. Deep Silver basically re-releases almost every game that they have. And they like <laughs> pick up the scraps of any game that hasn't been released. So I would imagine that if this game had come out in this day and age, or had been developed in this day and age, yeah. you would have probably had a developer, a publisher pick it up. So I don't know. Arnie, do you want to play this game? Absolutely. Like... It, it's it's one of those games that's like immediately intriguing just from the beginning like as soon as i saw it i was like oh yeah i definitely want to at least check this out because it seems interesting enough that even if i play it for five minutes i'll enjoy myself for those five minutes wholeheartedly exactly but if you want to play the game in its physical version be prepared to play pay a lot oh yeah it actually is very expensive uh if you want to play the physical version so <laughs> uh you might as well just uh you know i don't know just do the illegal thing and <laughs> it is. i had no other way of yeah. segueing into that i'm sorry <laughs> uh, microsoft not nintendo they don't seem to be coming after the old stuff you know? um, but yeah. it is fun it controls well you know, it does. And it's yeah. got, it is yeah, different yeah. because of the whole tranquilizer thing. And you know, your long shots, because it's a tranquilizer, it's not like a snipe, you know, you're not playing Call of Duty. It's not a sniper rifle. I mean, you can see that trank going. And if the dinosaur moves, you know, yeah. you're not going to hit where you wanted to. But it's, exactly. I like yeah. it. I do. So this is one of those games where I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to put it on my Xbox so I can play it because it looks really interesting at the very least. So that's Dinosaur Hunting for the original Xbox. So let's go on to the next one. And that's Double Steel or S-T-E-A-L, the second clash. So let me ask you, Paul, did you ever play Reckless, the Jackals of Missions? Here we go. <laughs> okay, so I haven't played Reckless, the Yakuza Missions. I only found out about Reckless the yakuza missions because of double steel which you know i looked up in preparing for the episode i i love both of these games i want like out of all the games we've talked about maybe even no not metal wolf chaos everybody wants to play metal wolf chaos but these two games yeah absolutely i want to play like them. i remember and reckless the yakuza missions came out here mm-hmm. so if you want to play a game like double steel you can start yeah. with reckless and, I, and it's funny because when i first saw reckless it it just, I don't know, I was very biased towards, like, the double-A games back then. I wasn't the person that I am now, in which I try to look <laughs> for all the cookie weird niche games that I can yeah, find. Yeah, <laughs> But I, so I never gave it the light of day, and it came out for the PS2, for the GameCube, and the Xbox. It was originally developed for the Xbox, mm-hmm, so yeah. it, that it, was the OG system, and, and it was an exclusive for the Xbox for a while. And you're going to um, want to get the Xbox version, because for whatever reason, I noticed that the Xbox version... Not that the ratings are huge, but it's getting like it was getting like 74, 75s out of a hundred. But the PS2 and GameCube versions were getting sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But you know what it is, Paul? Uh, I think what appeals to me for this game is that it feels like a Sega game. I don't know. It I feels was like say that. like mid nineties yeah, arcade yeah. Sega, <laughs> even with just like the scenario A, scenario B, and you have the timer. It just feels like the games that Sega used to make, like a combination of like Outrun and Crazy Taxi or something. Crazy, crazy yeah. Taxi and Dynamite Cop, like all bashed together. 
Oh so, man, it's it looks fantastic. Like, and the dialogue is completely ridiculous, <laughs> which is obviously very appealing. And I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like, it, it hit me immediately when I was watching the video. So, in rec in Reckless, the Aquas emissions, you're driving around town. By the way, very very impressive amount of destructible things, and a very very impressive amount of other traffic and pedestrians. Yeah, we should get to like, run over it. Yeah. Well, no, in, in the Yakuza missions, every pedestrian dives out of the way. Even if you're going oh, yeah? at like Mach 20, <laughs> the pedestrian sees you coming and they somehow manage to get out of the way. There is no death at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be clear, this is a game where the goal often is to hit other cars. And so there's a, there's a ton of destruction going around. But, you know, the pedestrians always dive. In Double Steel, I would I would play Double Steel almost exclusively because of the fact that the pedestrians don't get out of the no. way. Well, when you when you smack <laughs> a pedestrian, they go flying, and it is hilarious. Well, that's, that's why I, I, I was, was watching it, and I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. That's why I was under the impression that you were able to run over pedestrians in Reckless because I saw Double Steel, the second clash, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, you can run them over. <laughs> And how? Like, it is spectacular. The physics are nuts in this game. I mean, you know, <laughs> you'll hit a car and, you, and it'll just flip like, I don't know, 20 times or something, you know, and, and then land yeah. on its wheels and keep going. And then, yeah. And the same with the pedestrians, yeah. the way you hit oh. them, you know, they just. Yeah. No. So flying. the miraculous way that your car always lands on its wheels and is able to continue. It's, yeah. I, I absolutely love it. So this one was released in August 4th of 2005. So literally this was at the tail end. So yeah. you could pretty much see why this one was yeah. never localized, which I, I really, really think we missed out, guys. I, yeah. I really think... I don't even know what you had to do. The whole thing's in English. Everything. Yeah. The whole thing's in English. Yeah. The whole thing's in English. Uh, it yeah. was developed by Bunkasha Games, which seems to have only done these two games. Awesome. And That's the legacy the you need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> I, I really thought for sure when I did some research on it that I was going to hear something like from so-and-so who left Sega. Because yeah. it yeah. does feel yeah, very yeah. Sega-like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I... I may have to do a little bit more research on that just to see if there's anything else there in terms of because it does feel like an amusement vision game, like one of those Sega games that came out in the in the 90s. Yeah, but it, it's it looks very good. Mm -hmm. It's actually Rick, you told me this, but yeah. one of seven games on the Xbox that runs at 1080i, mm. and it looks absolutely fantastic. It really does look like it looks better than many of the early generation PS3 games. Yeah, I'll yeah. Give you that. it's, I'm it's just beautiful, put, and and I mean now of course you know the the textures you're looking at are very kind of crazy taxi type, you know, so they are those a lot of stuff that's squared off not the characters but um but when you watch the replays the replays are amazing not only are the replays amazing but you can save them to the hard drive and the replays they'll change like you'll okay do you want to save your replay sure and then you'll watch it and it's like they'll do light effects on it or another one might be in black and white or <laughs> you know they'll do like the the matrix trailer <laughs> thing you know as it moves and so yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, and the replays are just gorgeous i mean it, i'm telling you it's it's worth it just to check out the replays and the thing is oh man the pedestrians oh yeah on the uh -huh. replays. <laughs> yeah no and the thing is the game is open world uh so you have a timer but you basically have a pretty open world mm -hmm. so yeah it's it, you know you can basically go around do the, uh, the 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 challenges or the goals essentially you play as two cops 
Uh, two very ditzy cops, which is awesome. I love them. <laughs> and you have to take down the Jaguza, or you have to take down the criminal element, which you usually do by just ramming into their cars. Yeah. And you have, you know, your choice of picking between a, a number of different cars, including a dune buggy, which I imagine that's what Rick picked yep. like, right away. Green dune buggy <laughs> right off the bat. There was no... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> so what, what were your thoughts about this game, Arnie? I, I just, like, I loved it immediately i was like immediately hooked much like dinosaur hunting but what i really enjoyed about this was i booted up a let's play video on youtube for like the first stage and usually when i watch these i get very frustrated because everybody who i've ever seen do one of these always is immaculately perfect just the best possible gameplay experience you could have (laughs) the guy who did double steal i don't think i've ever seen somebody do worse at a video game than this guy (laughs) and it just i it just looked like so much fun and he still won he still like had like two minutes on the timer by the time he won but i was like this is what i like like this is like very much like my a reflection of what i would probably be like playing this game and it immediately made it so much more endearing to me and like yeah. you guys said, like the effects are great, the like collision, the physics is insane, and I don't know, it's just like it's just pure pure fun. Like there's yeah, no it's, there's yeah, no it's real hard ending with this one. Yeah, it, it's a very arcade type game, you know. And the thing too about the open world, which I think makes it nice, is that and I didn't even realize this till I just happened to do it. You'll be goofing around on some. Oh man, I want to see if I can jump that right. And I jump, made this big jump, and all of a sudden it's like, boom! You've unlocked this car. I'm like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So, and then if you go and look, there's so many cars that you can unlock. I mean, there's a ton. There's, <laughs> so there's many. one that looks very, it's called the supercar. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the, from back to the future, you know, most of the car doesn't look like a DeLorean, but if you're behind it, it's got the whole, you know, yeah. thing behind it. Did you see the UFO? Yes. Oh, yeah. The UFO is a monster. I ha- I don't have it. I don't have it unlocked, but it looks like it might be hard to, to, to drive because, you know, it's waving. It's going back and forth and, and it's it's takes up like half the freeway. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it, it's also hovering above the ground so that you actually can't see where you're going. <laughs> It's it's so ridiculous. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So so that's a uh, double steal. The second clash. I'm definitely gonna play it whenever I get my Xbox modded. That's one of the ones that I'm gonna pick up. I just went on eBay and apparently the only copy that I see there is 110 dollars for shipping. <laughs> oh no, it's way, oh cheaper, God, than that. way yeah. cheaper than that. So I have to find some yeah. other way of picking it up yeah. because I would love to play it uh, in the original, but. Anyways, I, I really think I, you probably can play this game to like in like an hour and a half or so because this is an arcade game. So it, it yeah. just feels like a nice afternoon pickup yeah. that you can play through and talk about it with your friends eventually and how insane it was. And you and there's a lot of bonus games you can do to, to um, you know, unlock more cars and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's there is some other playability to it. I, I don't I have one complaint. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's just me. But the tire squeal sound, I thought it. Yeah, oh, I God, thought it worst. was somebody screaming the whole time. <laughs> That's what I, I thought realized, it was when I was oh. watching the YouTube video. I was like, man, these pedestrians are like pissed. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I'm like, okay, cool. So like when I switched from the Doom buggy and the next time I, I unlocked a cop car, so then I got the cop car, exact same tire squeal. And I think like the next three, <laughs> yeah. four cars I had, it was all the same. That's my only complaint about this game. Yeah. 
Yeah, me okay, too. Okay, well, that's that's not insignificant. <laughs> I'm sorry, so we'll just end on that negative note. <laughs> that's, <Rick. laughs> that's not insignificant. Uh, okay, so that's Double Steel, the second class. So next up, let's talk about nude. Let's talk a- about And not that nude. type that you're thinking about. New. Actually, nude at National Ultimate Digital Experiment. Oh, that's the, the full name. And in this one, think about this game as semen, except it will not hit on your wife. So that's kind of the concept of this game. Yeah. And <laughs> but, she's not uh, a dick. She's not a <laughs> <Yeah>. dick. <laughs> so mm-hmm. released uh, in April 24, 2003, and it was published again by Microsoft Game Studios. But it was also developed by renowned Japanese studio Red Entertainment, which they actually developed the Sakura Wars games and also Paul's favorites, Lords of Thunder and Legendary Axe 2. So, Paul, I, I figured that they would be, uh, you know, very enticing for you. And and nude is just taking off where Lords of Thunder left off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a natural progression. Yeah. So yeah, uh, exactly. But uh, Rick, tell us a little bit more about this game because this game is almost impossible to play if you don't know Japanese. But I know that you made a very concerted effort about this. So, yeah, so I, I just so I just want you to walk us through that experience. So first of all, for anybody who who not sure about my qualifications, I have taken three entire classes. Well, let me put it this way: I have taken three short little things on an app for learning Japanese. So I'm obviously <laughs> well into the Japanese language, and I speak it oh, fluently. Fluent. You know, um, while driving my car for a half hour. So we're good. I have an hour and a half of Japanese learning in me. And so that's it. I beat the game in an hour and it was done. No. Um, so, so first of all, this, this should have been called the acronym game because like you said, it, the, the game is nude. It's the natural ultimate digital experiment. Um, your robot is actually a pass, which is a personal assist secretary system. Oh, and boy. you get it from ARC, which is Absolute Radical Kingdom, which makes no sense Amazing. whatsoever. <laughs> and really what you're trying to do is you're, you're a tester. Like you said before, you're testing her out and, and you're, and if, if you don't do very well or if you leave her alone for too many days, kind of like Seaman, um, she doesn't die and float to the top of the tank, but she, she disappears. You know, so ah. they, I think they reclaim her is what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I really liked it. It was surprising. Like I thought, oh, this is going to be super frustrating. Um, now you move her around with the controller. That's fine. She looks great. I mean, the, um, yeah, the model itself. She, she really does. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the home is pretty generic. I was surprised when you, when I had to teach her, I thought I was teaching her how to say Xbox because there's an Xbox poster, but I had to, I'm like, why is she not? I mean, that's the easiest thing for me to teach her how to say. It can't be, it can't sound different in Japanese. Well, they wanted me to teach her how to say poster. So like when you, when you first start, all you're doing is just teaching her, um, this is a, um, this is a vacuum cleaner. This is a bed. This is a poster. And so that's kind of what you're doing. Gotcha. Um, me again, because so fluent, you know, um, you I skipped over me, all that. Yeah. I, I mean, it took me no time. How was, even if you how say was the it voice right, recognition, the, huh? How was the voice recognition? Because that's one of the sticking points with this game. So I don't know if it's doing it on purpose or if it has some issues because, um, some of the ones I did like, like bed, you know, I did that. She picked up on it all three times and then I was having problems with, uh, I, I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was the laptop or something. And so I cheated. I went to Google Translate and <laughs> maybe it was because it was female voice and I would just, you know, I click the button and then I'd click the button on the computer to say the Japanese word perfectly. And she wasn't, she wasn't getting it. Yeah. And then I listened to the Japanese, the, the, the lady speaking Japanese and then I tried to recreate that. 
And she got it, uh, eventually I got her to get it three out of probably about six or seven times. Oh, wow. So That's not frustrating at all. I, I don't know if it does better with male voices or if it's just, you know, maybe you guys sound like girls when you talk, but uh, <laughs> it, it's just, I don't know. It, it, uh, I can see where maybe if now if I was Japanese or if I spoke fluent Japanese, I could see where it'd be frustrating if she didn't get everything I yeah. said, you know, first time. Yeah. Um, I threw some, yeah. I threw some of my really crappy Japanese at her. Um, just to see if there was maybe random stuff that she mm. would understand, you know, and the first, of course I tried to cheat. The first thing I asked her in Japanese is if she spoke English, <laughs> you know, so she just kind of looked at me. I was like, Hey, go guy. What you You know, she didn't like that. Um, yeah. but yeah. then when I, when I said good morning, she did, she yeah. actually replied to me good morning. So that was kind of cool. So, I, so, so for somebody like me to get her to understand anything, you feel like it's a huge accomplishment. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, but this is a, this is one of those life simulation games that were very popular at the time. There was the whole Tamagotchi craze. Yep. And then we had yeah. Hey You Pikachu yes. and all these, I mean, and Seaman, of course, uh, which I can never stop saying Seaman. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a perfect game. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, essentially, you know, you play the, 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 the role of a, a tester, essentially, and you have to, to teach her and you have to, make her grow essentially yeah. as a, as an ai is the ultimate and goal the con- to get her to like be conversational essentially like just recognize things in her environment no it's it's to get her in bed <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a japanese game <laughs> no i mean if you if you've seen ex machina it seems like the same concept okay essentially in which you play a tester and you know i i'm actually a little bit suspicious of this because i know that alex carlin who wrote and directed ex machina <laughs> i know he's a really big gamer he actually wrote enslaved odyssey to the west which is one of the great underrated yep. games uh, of uh the ps3 generation yeah and uh, i do wonder if he saw this game and he was like you know that that that's actually an interesting uh, <laughs> concept, and uh, I imagine that any tester, the ultimate goal would just be to get the robot in bed. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's like five phases, and the first phase is just to get her to recognize stuff, and then all the phases after that pretty much are uh, getting her to interact with those things. Okay, and it, it gets to the point where you can play. Now, obviously, I'm not this good, but you can play blackjack with her, and I think there's oh, a wow. couple other games that she'll learn in the later fl- uh, phases. So there is, it does. Almost, I guess there's some stuff that's definitely like a sim where you're kind of yeah. doing things. Uh, I don't want to say doing things with her since you keep mentioning bed, but um, <laughs> doing non. I just made it awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, would you say it's a useful tool for people learning Japanese? Because from the footage that I saw, it looks like it's a pretty reasonable vocabulary builder. Yeah, it's not bad. I've, uh, um, I kind of reached out to a couple of guys that also like me have attempted to play. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's not, you're not going to walk away from this game and then have any kind of conversation with anybody who's Japanese, but you're yeah. going to at least know how to say telephone, how to say, how to say bed, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe yeah. because the only problem is you got to remember she's an assistant. So you're telling her what to do, and that's not really something, you know, you're going to go yeah. to the Japanese person and start telling them, I need you to vacuum the floor. Um, that's, that's, I don't think that would go over well with my wife's family. I think it's funny that you pointed out telephone in bed because it's a Japanese game, I'm assuming, so you could call her and get her to put yeah, there. We go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I will say, 
when you when you go to the, the first the very first time you go to the computer and I tried to do it again and it only it only does it that first time because I was gonna send you guys a picture it's kind of funny I, I don't know if it's a mistake or if they're doing it on purpose but the first time she goes to the laptop you click on the laptop and the camera just zooms in on her butt and it stays there for about like <laughs> six <laughs> seconds and I'm just looking at robot butt waiting to see what nope. happens next. it's it's not a glitch it's a feature <laughs> yeah yeah so if you're into robot butt this is the game for you um, just to let you know. All right. Well, with that, uh, robot bot, oh, uh, you know, outro, uh, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and finish it up with a few quick mentions of games that uh, you may also be interested in. So we'll be back. We're just here to testify as part of the criminal investigation. It's a little worrying, but we'll have to leave it to the officers in charge. <sighs> I guess you're right. For the moment, let's wait in the police station for Takagi's arrival. All right, everybody, and we're back, and we're going to close this out by just kind of going a lightning round uh, of just going over a few of the games that also did not release in the U.S., but that Rick has played, thankfully. So uh, we're going to be able to rely on Rick's uh, experience in order to go over this game. So let, let's go with that. Let's, the first one, Thousand Land, another From Software game. It was released in March 20, 2003, and really... We just talked about Bullfrog, and really, this is like populous, but weirder. So tell us about this one, Rick, because I know it has an English translation. So uh, tell us about your experience with Thousand Land. So it's uh, it's Minions RTS. That's pretty much it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, they, they remind the little... <laughs> I need a little bit more than that. Yeah. I need a little bit more than that, Rick. Come and on. moving on. No, the little dudes kind of <laughs> remind me of Minions, you know, and it is it is an RTS. So um, I played it a few times. I keep getting my ass whooped, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> you know, once I got the English translation, then it, it helps immensely because you're like, oh, okay. Uh, so you start, you have this tree and it's just popping your little dudes out. And it's just like any other RTS where you can see in the background, you'll see an island start to rise and you're like, okay, this is going to be bad. And and then <laughs> yeah. you use the money that you have to buy different things. You know, there's like little traps and then all that kind of stuff. And you can build a little moat. And so it's, it's, it's a straight up RTS. You're doing all this stuff. And then once they're, once their island pops up, they're like fully loaded and ready to go. And oh, then wow. you just, you're going to spend a lot of time just kind of sitting there watching your guys do their thing. Mm. Uh, fighting the other, you know, fighting the other guys and then see who can take over whose island. Um, oh, gotcha. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, it's wacky. I love, I love the look of it. Like I said, I like the little guys. They all wear different hats. So that kind of, that's why I say they remind me of minions because they're shaped like that a little bit, but more yeah. triangle yep. heads. And you'll see dudes with little worker hats and, you know. Yeah. yeah, and it was live-enabled, so I imagine that it was meant to be like a multiplayer version of Populous, essentially. So that's that's what kind of, kind of what it reminds me of. So I imagine that you had other folks playing the other islands, yeah. and you had your own islands, and then you would just do the whole RTS thing with other players. Yeah. So uh, Arnie and Paul, did any of you get any idea of what was happening with this game? I, I looked up. Um, I was looking all of these up on YouTube, and when I when I looked up Thousand Land... There was an IGN clip. It was 56 seconds long. I'll never forget. <laughs> from nine years ago. And honestly, it was probably the most confusing and frightening 56 seconds of my life. <laughs> like, it was just this guy, like, terraforming land all around these, like, little minion guys. But, like, no explanation of a single thing. So, I was so confused. But, I mean, yeah. it looked very colorful. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it, I, I don't know. I, I think it looks like crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it has a very basic aesthetic style. Yeah. It's a cell phone and, game now. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. it would be I mean, like I'm a not cell phone or is, Facebook I mean, game it could be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's Thousand Land. Uh, I'm not going to ask Paul because Paul's probably going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I, I know Thousand Island dressing, but I don't know Thousand yeah. Land. Uh, so the next one, Petit Copter. Yes. Uh, tell us about this one, so Paul. This I mean, is, Rick. Yes. I'm sorry. I just jumped in and assumed. But uh, no. I mean, some, sometimes you're Paul. Sometimes you can step in as Paul, particularly if uh, you're going to meet his wife or something. So. Hey. <laughs> oh, I just, just want to. Paul, I just want to say that I would never do that, and uh, just in case she's listening. <laughs> anyway, so um, that is the voice of a liar. <laughs> so, I, all right, Petit Copter. Petit Copter rules. It's a hidden gem, I think. Um, yeah. For anybody who hasn't played it, I mean, it's I. I've never flown an RC pl- uh, helicopter before. I'm assuming that's kind of what the controls are like. I don't know if any of you guys have. Um, because it's not like a normal, Hey, you know, more, uh, it's not an arcade type thing when you pick it up, but it's not hard to fly yeah. the helicopter. Half the time I'm going forward, but kind of at a, you know, f- weird slant, <laughs> like a 30 yeah, degree yeah. slant. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going straight towards stuff, but it's just, it's a game where you're a tiny little helicopter and you're in a house and then you different rooms and you, you start with little helicopters and build up to bigger ones and you're doing little, you know, little tasks they have flying around the room. It's just very, it's, but it's very, it's a very simple game. You're picking some stuff up later as you get like big Sikorsky type helicopters, you know, yeah. and having to transport them. But I just think it's re- it's really satisfying. It's a lot of fun. Um, I can't tell you what the later levels are. I haven't gotten there yet, but yeah. I-, I think I don't know of anybody that's played it in any of the Xbox groups where we talk about who's like, oh, that game sucks. Like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's a charm yeah. to it. Yeah, and I was on the bubble about this game because it also came out on PS2. Mm-hmm. So I thought whether we should talk about this right now. But honestly, you're probably gonna have a better luck playing this game on the Xbox than on the PS2, unless you have a modded PS2. Mm-hmm. So and you can also just put it on your modded Xbox and yeah. just download the ROM. So uh, yeah. So this this one seems very simple to play. Uh, Arnie, any anything you want to mention in Petit Copter? This one looks super cool um, immediately. And it also, weirdly enough, just because you're such a tiny thing in such a big environment, it gave me like Mr. Mosquito vibes. So mm, I was immediately I like really on board. Yeah. I'm sure Paul would <laughs> just immediately go and look and try to find the shower just like in Mr. Mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Exactly. Also, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's Petit Copter. Seems like it's thumbs up. Yep. Total hidden gem. Yeah. Uh, so let's go over Plus Plum 2. Did you play this game, Rick? Yeah. Um, it's an okay Not puzzle. Good. It's an okay puzzle game. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's fine. Maybe you guys would like it better than me. Um, I, you know, my whole thing is, Whenever I see a puzzle game where you have two sides and and you kind of can screw over the person that you're playing against, I'm like, if it's not Super Puzzle Fighter, yep. I'm like, really? Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. as good. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Right? To- I think that's the thing. <laughs> you're, you're holding everything up to Super Puzzle Fighter, yeah. and that's very that's a very difficult bar to clear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I played that game so much, so it's just hard to play other puzzle games. The Puyo yeah. Puyo one's kind of yeah. neat, but I know that wasn't exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one, I think, wins the award for anime as hell game. Uh, mm, <laughs> extremely <laughs> anime. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But yeah. If you ever wanted to play Columns, but in an anime as hell yeah, setting, exactly. yeah. this is your game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on. 2JR. Uh, Rick, tell us about this game. It has a full fan translation. It does. And it was published by Atlas. Yeah, it does. Which And you would, I'll be honest, when I, when I first played this game, I was like, holy shit, we got an Atlas game with a fan translation, but they're doing cars. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I thought. But, um, it's, it, it does, it looks really nice. It's got some good textures. I got to give it that. It's more, it's more of a, re- I'm assuming it's kind of a realistic is what they were going for. Cause it's definitely not an arcade feel. Drive. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, more like more Gran Turismo type yep. stuff, but but the graphics aren't that quite that good. Um, I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of the handling. I do like the fact that unlike other kind of more realistic games like that, you can set your car up to drift. So you can yeah. you can drift, and you know you start with smaller cars, and then you work your way up. And like any any of the Japanese games back then, you're going to have all those big Japanese cars everybody wanted to ride but couldn't mm-hmm. because they didn't come to the states. You know the yeah. skylines yep. and that kind of yep. thing. Um, there's yeah. some there's some really nice track layouts, but I'm just not a huge fan of the controls and just the the speed of it because you're starting like a Gran Turismo where you're starting with very slow cars and they're working their way up. Um, yeah, that reminds yeah, me of yeah. uh, Automodelista, which was a game that I, in theory, wanted to love. Mm-hmm. But when I actually played the game, the physics model was just not intuitive. And it's very difficult to get that right. And especially when you're not, you know, you're straddling the line between arcadey and simulation. That's when you have the most opportunity to mess it up. Yeah. Because it can end up feeling not arcadey enough, so it's not responsive. But it also doesn't end up feeling simulation enough where you can actually get the logic of the physics down so that you can actually play it right. I've felt that way with a lot of the Need for Speed games that have come out recently. But certainly Automodelista was the game that back in the day I really wanted to love, but I just couldn't get with with the physics model. So... Hopefully I play this game because I do live I do love, you know, racing games and I do love the kind of initial D type of yeah. setting that this game seems to be going for. But, you know, I haven't played it, so I can't really tell you. But thanks for, for letting us know, sure. Rick. Yeah. Uh Arnie, do you want to play this one or I no. I it's Atlas, so I, you have to yeah, at least. I mean consider. I have to own it for that reason, right? But I think if I had to if I had my pick, I'd go Gran Turismo. Like it, it seems yeah. to be like like Rick was saying, it seems to be trying to go in that mold, but when you watch the, the cars actually race, it seems a lot floatier. It seems a lot like there's not yeah. as much heft to the cars as, as there would be in Gran Turismo. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we seem to be lukewarm on that. But uh let's go on, on to the Wild Rings, and this is I don't even want to call it a racing game. This is like a free for all game. What do you What do you think about this game, Rick? Wild Rings. It's a good wrestling game. It's uh, it's it's uh. It, here's the thing. I'm not a huge wrestling fan, so what I was doing is I was it, towards the end. I ended up putting it up against, say, like I will put it up against WWE Raw two. Yeah, you know. So yeah. it's it's it's, yeah. and I'd have to look at the years because I'm going to have to assume that Wild Rings came out a few years before because the characters are bigger, but they're a little bit blockier. Mm-hmm. Um. I got to give you this character. Their character creator is really nice. There's like 365 faces to choose from. Oh wow! That's now now having wow one for yeah. Now having (laughs) now having said that, it's more like a hundred and something because um, basically it'll be the same face. You know, one with a beard, one with a goatee, one with nothing. Uh, but the there's like 128 hairstyles. Uh, so the character creator's nice. There's a lot of options. You got like tag team and league and tournament championship stuff. I would, you can change the speed. I would definitely put it all the way up to turbo or whatever the fastest speed setting. Mm. The fastest speed setting on this game is like the normal speed for other uh, wrestling games. Okay. So that I would do. But I I mean, mean, I just like the idea when I was seeing it, just of being able to play like an MMA fighter going up against a sumo wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. Like that to me just seems instantly appealing. So it's. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I don't know, Paul. How do you feel about that? No, I think that's a great idea, and I'm a little bit surprised that we don't have more games like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now it's fully playable in English because it's, of a fan translation. Yeah, it's about it's about to be it's a it's about. Uh, I gave you a little bad information the other day. It, it's uh, 
it is definitely playable in English. It's a lot easier to navigate. But I guess what they were saying is that there were some compression issues to get it to fully English. Mm. And then they were okay. also saying, I guess some of the, some of the, um, Japanese language were actually pictures how they displayed it versus like a script. So they weren't able to translate that stuff, but you can definitely navigate because I have both versions. Now you can definitely navigate it a lot easier with the English translation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the wild rings. This is my favorite game out of all the ones that I saw. This is the one. (laughs) Cool. The guy I saw like started an eight man battle Royal and immediately it was like a boxer, a guy in like a judo gi, an MMA fighter, yes. oh, a professional God. wrestler. And I was like, yes, like yeah. I want That's everything. the one great part about this. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot. I yeah. think there's not at the not at the beginning because I know there wasn't a 100, but they were saying there are like a 100 fighters, I guess, eventually as you unlock. That's stuff. awesome. And that's part of that. Th- this one's kind of a weird uh you download part of the translation patch and then you separately down. You can download a um save file and that'll give you the extra character yeah i think and i'm not sure about this because i was just reading through the comments of the video i was watching so i didn't have a chance to look into this myself but i think these may be some of the same guys that did like fire pro wrestling stuff and wrestle kingdom stuff which is also you know very well regarded wrestling games yes yeah i I have to check that but yeah i think you're right so but i liked it Controls really good. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. It seems fun. like it's a it's a it's a good one. Uh, it seems like at the very least you can take a flyer on it. Yeah. So um, you know, definitely add it to your ROMs. So the last one is Shikigami no Shiro <laughs> Evolution, yeah. and uh, I don't know why we have to talk about this game because it's yes, just you do Shikigami. <laughs> you know why we have out. to talk about it, this it game. It came out in the US with the, the with the definitive version of Mobile, Mobile Life Force. Life Force. <laughs> so so. Why do we have to talk about this game? Well, actually, I have to talk about it because Rick would kill me if I didn't. Yes, I would. And B, it has a cool as hell variant cover. Yeah, it does. So, not really. I mean, Shikigami no Shiro Evolution seems to be the definitive version of Castle Shikigami. So, tell us a little bit about this one, Rick. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I won't go into all the gameplay because, like you said, it's out on various, you know, various other stuff. But the Xbox is the one that has the evolution mode. So, um, the nicest part about it is, it's got better AI. And if you've played the other one, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to appreciate that. Uh, there's some new characters and then you have this, uh, Evo Mo, which I guess brings back some stuff for me. I haven't played the, the older ones. So it's like, I don't know the difference, but it brings back some of the other, other stuff they had from before. You also, you have a red, blue, red version and a blue version. So there's two different cases. You don't have to buy them both. I mean, the game's the same on both of them, but the nice part okay. is the red one is where you've got like a gallery database, um, some trailers and some unused voices. And on the blue one is cool. developer videos. And oh, nice. I don't, the way I put it is the red one is the girl one and the blue one is the boy one. Because when you, <laughs> like, like you said, uh, all the boys are on the blue cover, all the girls on the red. And when you put the two games together, yeah. uh, it makes one picture. One big image. It, yeah. And it, it's, it's oh, definitely, perfect. I think the, the coolest thing that Xbox ever came out with as far as the front covers, the, the yeah. side cover would be the, the whole Mortal Kombat thing where there's, there's four, if you buy and you get all the sleeves, it, oh, it yeah. forms the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But dude, Paul, have you played Castle Shigigami? Yeah, I have. Yeah. How do you feel and about it? It's, it's, uh, I would say it's an average to above average shoot 'em up. No, nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> 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 there's, there's so many of them out there now. You know, it's kind of, it's hard to differentiate. That's about as far as I can go with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I like. It's not a game that I played from front to back. It's a game that I put in, gave it a shot. Oh, this is pretty good. 
and then moved on to something else. Yeah. yeah. If you like shmups, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. And let's be honest, there's not a lot of shmups on the original Xbox. On the Xbox 360 kind of did that. And then if you want to play this game, really, Evolution, the Xbox version, is the one to play. It's the, it's by far, it's hands yes. down the best one. Um, I know you got into, th- there's a couple of travesties associated with this though. The, the Japanese covers were just, as, as I said, probably the, the nicest two covers yeah. ever to come together. But, um, Mobile Light Force 2 in the States, we got that weird Charlie's Angels like <laughs> thing Ooh. with the three girls who have nothing to do with the game running and stuff <laughs> blowing up in the background. And I thought that, I Not thought that great. was the worst they could do until I saw the European cover, which is basically like a GoBot with that have nothing to do with the game with explosions in the background i mean it's and it's like it's like really janky gobots i mean it's it's bad like if you think our version was bad look at the european and they don't call it mobile light force 2 they call it mlf2 and the funniest part of all this shit is that mobile light force 2 is is right shigami noshiro evolution yeah so what is mobile light force 1 anybody gunbird 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're from so different good. developers what the <laughs> i know yeah uh, doesn't make any it's the sense. stupidest thing ever yeah <laughs> yeah but I, w- I would get this one just for the cool cover honestly yeah. uh i don't know is it very expensive work um it, it doesn't they don't come up a lot i think the blue is a little more expensive they're not super i want to say because i got mine a while ago i want to say right now they're probably both sitting if they're complete like 45 maybe a piece something like that i think the blue is a little more than the red it's not terrible okay all right i don't think let's uh, let's, yeah let's close that out because i know that rick you wanted to mention it and so i'm going to give you an opportunity if you were only able to pick out one variant of japanese only xbox uh which one would you say you would pick the of the console yeah oh okay Man, that's tough. It's well, the Panzer Dragoon. <laughs> Panzer Dragoon. Yeah. Yeah. Panzer there Dragoon. We it go. may not be the, the, the rarest, but it's definitely, I think, the most beautiful. It's yeah. the coolest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have the Kasumi Chan. I have the blue one, which yeah. is nice. Um, and now I have it. I don't want to say complete because I, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I have it all in the box complete, but it also came with a giant pillow. Yes, that's right. <laughs> now, yeah, I I don't have the pillow. Um, I would never loan the pillow to Paul if I had it. Um, nor should you. Nor should I. Yeah, yeah. But that's exactly. you know what, Paul. That's what I'll do. I will put my visage on a pillow and I will ship it to your wife. How about that? <laughs> I I can do better. You put your visage on a pillow and just create your own Etsy store <laughs> and watch the money roll in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, maybe from the neck down. I I do definitely have a face for radio (laughs) (laughs) all right let's just do a quick lightning round Artie. if you had to pick only one game to play out of all of this ones which one would it be i mean is it is it a perfect world where i can understand japanese and or it's translated yes okay it's still uh it's still wild rings (laughs) 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 all right paul get rid of the tire squealing sound and i'm all about double steel and yep. it's pedestrians. It's poor, poor pedestrians. <laughs> How about you, Rick? Which one of these games are you going to go back to and play? Do I mean, do you have to ask? I mean, really, Metal <laughs> Wolf Chaos, man. And what I want <laughs> is I want Metal Wolf Chaos to be in every one of these games. I want President Wilson to be in every single one of these games. I think that's just making them all better. <laughs> exactly. In a perfect world, I would play Shin Megami Tensei 9. But since I can't, yeah. I'm going to go with Double Steel. There we go. Yeah. So... 
I think that's it for us, guys. I think uh, we probably done about as niche as we could hope for. So uh, I'm pretty sure that our listeners had not heard of at least one of these games. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, if that's the metric for success, I think we've succeeded. Uh, so <laughs> that's going to do it for us. Uh, Rick, man, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. So thank you so much for sure. spreading yes. the, the Xbox knowledge, spreading the Xbox love, that original Xbox. It's it's such a, a nice little console. Well, not very little. It's actually <laughs> yeah. a no, big console. Yeah, yeah. But, but the new one is. The new one I think is going to be much more. Yeah, as, and supposedly as you say uh, sega is in some talks yeah. they're going yeah. to release the, the new xbox as uh, as a sega console so let's let's cross our fingers as a, uh, <laughs> i guess if, if anybody listening happen. to this rick wanted to get into xbox modding or something like that is there yeah. any like resources as far as like websites or anything that you would recommend um well there's a couple of facebook groups you know so you just have to type in like xbox modding that's that's okay. where i find most of the experts but as far as just learning how to do it um if you just if you just go to youtube there's uh and i'm probably going to say that wrong but i believe it's cj rocky five mm-hmm. his 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 soft mod is the king of all okay. soft mods um it might be uh, it might be like C Rocky five or something like that. But yeah, I wish I had his name right now, but he's that guy's the King. He's amazing. And he's still working on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there you go, guys. That was it for us. Uh, we are the region free gamers podcast. You can find us on Instagram at region free gamers. Uh, Artie is usually there helming the Instagram. That's usually the best way to get to reach us. Uh, we're also online on our website, regionfreegamers.com. We're also on Twitter at regionfreegamer without the S. And uh, I'm Ozzy. Uh, Paul, you can find Paul at uh, Paul's Game Room. And uh, Arnie, you can just find on Region Free Gamers. Rick, where can we find you? <laughs> just Instagram is pretty much the biggest place. So just ask your right. at Instagram. And we have stickers All right, so thank now. you. We have stickers. Ooh, we stickers. do have stickers. I don't have stickers personally, but <laughs> apparently Arnie does have stickers. And apparently they're wildly popular, more so they than are. I expected. <laughs> when did you? I didn't see this. I didn't see the stickers on any of your stuff. We did them we're, like. We're, oh, we'll, we'll send you yeah, one. This one's a care package of being a guest. We posted a. Okay. We did a post like a week ago or something like that. Oh, okay. I yep. missed yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So that's it for us, guys. Uh, Until next time, uh, we'll see you around. So, Rick, thanks so much for joining us once more. Anytime.